Hey Curious Conneries, Dylan here. We just want to give you a heads up that the following program contains conversation relating to topics that may or may not include physical and sexual assault and self-harm and mistreatment of different cultures. We are in no way condoning these things. But given that Sean Connery has acted in films going back many years, they've tended to come up. To spin a phrase from Disney, many of these films include negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures that were certainly wrong then and are definitely wrong now. But rather than not discuss this content, we'd like to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and create conversation for a richer future. Stay curious, folks. And now, on to our show. There it is. Mario Lima. Dylan Titus. How you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great today. Very excited to be here today. Me too. I'm very happy to be here on this Mother's Day. Mother's Day? Yeah. It's our it's our first holiday episode, kind it of. Is. Is, is, yeah. yeah, Mother's Day's a holiday, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it of is. course. It's it our is. first holiday release episode. And uh in celebration, we've got a guest here today. Ooh, we have a guest. Who could it be? Who could it be? Mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Dylan. This is my mother, Julie. Hi. Most people call me Mama Jules. How's it going? Mama, Mama Jules. Mama Jules. I'm good. I'm good. Happy Mother's Day to uh, your mother, Mario. Happy Thank Mother's you. Mother's Day to your mother, Mario. I don't even know where she is right now, but I'm sure she's somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you lost her on Mother's Day? Oh, uh, yeah. She's, I'm sure I'll take her to brunch or something. She's probably out with her friends or something. Yes, this is an earlier episode than we normally record. It is. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you today. To see you as well, and Mama Jules, a pleasure to have you on our little program here. This is very exciting. Yeah, thank you so much, Mario. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Uh, yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's been. Wait, I was, I was talking. I'll tell another Dylan. Like, when's the last time we saw? I think we're still in college. I think when probably. I, I saw. I think it you. may have been when we went to the Rush concert. Probably. Oh, did you? You came by the house to pick him up, right? Yes. 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 See. Oh yeah. Remember so much. So there you go. Yeah. So wow, was that long? So yeah. yeah. So great, great to see you again. Yes. And excited. And so, uh, so as you know, we talk about Sean Connery films. We didn't even we didn't even give the actual introduction and, to this podcast. I'm, sh- I'm sure they so, know. They, well, let's let's introduce it anyway to to my mother and to to all the mothers out there today on Mother's Day. We say welcome to the Connery Curious podcast. Yes. And what do we do here on, on the Connery Curious Podcast? Each Mario? week we have a massive wheel filled with dozens of films. Every film that Sean Connery has been in, starred in, even <laughs> cameoed in apparently yep. uh, throughout his entire career. And every week me and Dylan here, we spin the wheel and we land on a movie. We watch that film, come back here and discuss that film. Yeah, I think at the end of the episode today we'll probably yield the wheel to Mama Jules. Can't wait to spin the wheel. It's a, it's, it's, it's the most dopamine of the week. It's, it's, it's all it's we look forward to. <laughs> it's, it's the whole reason we do this podcast. It's just to spin just to the, spin wheel. the wheel. Exactly. It's the, uh, it's like the MCU at this point. It only exists to keep, you know, to make post credit scenes for the next movie. Yeah, we don't care about the movie. We just want to see the post credit scene. 
and and, and exactly. we're and we're out of here. On that subject, today's film, I kind of expected to have a post-credit scene, weirdly. And uh, yeah, we'll for dis- reasons that I'll discuss later. But yeah, we'll yeah. discuss that, and uh, we'll, I guess we should get into it because last week on the wheel we spun the film, The Rock. The 1996 Rock. is The Rock, directed by Michael Bay. Which, by the way, is a super big pain in the ass if you're trying to rent the movie, because I rented it on our. Uh, uh, our Chromecast, and I went to go voice search, search The Rock, and oh I boy. got every Dwayne Johnson movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, The Rock with Sean Connery. And they said, you sure you don't want re- greatest WrestleMania moments featuring Dwayne The Rock? Johnson? No, I want Sean I mean, Connery. You, you sure you don't? I've seen enough The Rock in my life. I want to see this Rock because this is one I've I, I've I think I've maybe seen it in passing. It's one of those movies that like shows up on TV a lot and like like on AMC or whatever. And I'll kind of see it for a second. I'm like, oh hey, that's cool. Nicholas Cage and and Sean Connery. That's fun. But then I, I never watched it fully, so I was glad to like uh, sit down and watch the whole thing. And ooh, it's a doozy of a film. I'm really excited. This is your first time it. watching it. First time f- all the way through. This was also Newbie. my first time watching it. Yes, we are, I've, we I've, are newbies. I've seen it far too many times. Oh, <laughs> man. So, so tell us on that subject. Tell us why you wanted to be on this episode. Sean Connery. <laughs> sure. Because a woman, when she gets to a certain age, Sean Connery is goddamn sexy. And that's why I watched it. That's exactly and why I watched it. What is that age? 18? Well, it came what? out in 96. So I was 30. Right, and he he was he was hot. I'm at that 30, point. and he is incredibly sexy. Compared to him as a younger man, as a younger James Bond, zero interest. Older, grayer, facial hair, Sean Connery, love it. Interesting. Love it. Interesting. I've never heard it that way before. I was here at the like the opposite way. People love him in you know Goldfinger and Rush with Love, like that era. So that's interesting to hear that. I mean, I, I understand. It's it's he's definitely got the the, the swagger. He does. He definitely does. As you said, he uh, he thought he was losing his sex appeal. <laughs> I guess not. Well, you 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 remarked at that. Well, you want to. That's wanna... when you know you say let's talk about some notable comments. That's one Sh- of them. Uh, we call them Connery quotes. Connery quotes. Connery yes, quotes. definitely. That was one of them. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I, I also I, I also wrote that um, trigger warning here, guys. Trigger warning. Um, uh, avoiding gang rape in the washrooms. But though that's been less of an issue recently, maybe I'm losing my sex appeal. <laughs> yes, loved it. Loved it. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 very funny in this because you know, like I I didn't know what the tone of this movie was I I it's it's the nineties so you know it's kind of like cheese and Nicolas Cage did it for Christ's sake so you know it's gonna be like super over the top and crazy which is funny I watched this with my wife and she was like more into Cage than anything. Now see I was never a Nicolas Cage fan. He was not my guy. Like the whole Peggy Sue got married and all that. Mm. Not my thing. He was not my guy. So I literally watched this because Sean Connery was looking so fine as an older man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I like sometimes I just don't quite have the tolerance for Nick Cage. Um, but I love his character in this movie. I loved him in this film. I, he's he's a he's a nerd who turns into kind of a badass. Mm. And I like it. 
Mm. So I, I give him credit for the big swing from nerd who can't be bothered doing anything to like well oh i, I wouldn't say you can't be bothered well, doing anything no. he's he stops uh, he was sitting at his desk but he stops up he saves the whole his whole office from blowing up right but prior to that he's sitting at a desk which he earns opening mail he right? earns that though right he just and diffused he, a bomb he gets, he, he gets to relax and he says like he he knows that there's nothing for him to do and his co-workers like i'm out so they're just kind of nerdy guys. Which I, I believe, I couldn't actually find this. I need to go back and pull up a screenshot of it. But I believe his coworker is named Dr. Ling. Am I correct? Uh, yeah. I, I was talking about the blonde kid, Isherwood. Um, Isherwood. Who's Isherwood? Forgive me. We do a lot of looking at, at Wiki and... Um, oh, okay. Wrong person. There we go. I'm having the same issue again. I'm trying to Google uh, The Rock, but I keep getting Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah, just search The Rock 1996. <laughs> no, okay, now, now, now I'm getting WrestleMania from 1996, goddammit. <laughs> oh, no, All right, so there's a character in this name, Dr. Ling, and now I can't find anything about him, but he's played by David Bowie, but not the David Bowie you think it is. Yes. Have, Mario, have you ever seen the film UHF? I haven't, no. No. You know who I'm talking about? I do know the who actor you're David about. Yes. Bowie. It's no, there's no I in it. Correct. Um, it, it's it looks like Bow with an E, but he was in the '86 uh, classic to me, UHF, and to a lot of people, the the Weird Al film. Oh, Weird Al's actual only film. I know that the. Uh, oh, here he is. Okay, okay, weird, this guy. The Al Yankovic story came out recently, but I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to see that too. It just—it seems like it's. Uh, from what I heard, it's like it's a, it's it's Weird Al. It's it's a parody of other biopics. So I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm just, I'm curious to see what that is. People are saying it's genius. Connery so it's Connery. Connery curious. They should make a, a Connery biopic. Who would play Connery in a Connery biopic? Ooh. Um... Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. You think so? He's he's got the same like structure in his face, and he's he's had how many different hairstyles? Absolutely, Brad Pitt could play him. Hmm. I just feel like visually, he could pull that off. Hmm. I don't know who I would cast. Hmm. Maybe maybe Robert Pattinson? Greek freedom fighters in World War II that look like Brad Pitt, Sean Connery, and Casey Affleck? I don't see the case. Oh, kind of? The guy on the right? Yeah, I'll share my screen with you. This is is a good chunk of this podcast. It's screen sharing and and research. Oh, my God. (laughs) Save that image. Uh, I thought that was like a shot from Inglorious Bastards or something. Oh my god! I don't know. I just I think Brad Pitt could pull off playing Sean Connery. I believe it. I don't know the way he carries himself. Um, they both have the swagger when they walk. Hmm. Yeah, I could see it. I think he could do it. Well, look at this. Look at that. Well, it's just comparing the hats, and it's from a good man in Africa. <laughs> But look at that. I'm telling you. He could do it. And, well, he was doing, um, what accent is he doing in Snatch? Irish? 
I think so. Huh. Brad Pitt has a little more... Uh, Sean Connery has wider eyes. But I think... Maybe it, maybe a tad more oval face. Brad Pitt oh, is definitely more chiseled. Oh, look up Thomas Doherty. He looks just like him. Thomas Doherty. There's a picture of him like with uh, the exact haircut. It looks just oh like him. Oh my gosh, this guy? Yeah, him. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the eyes. If you, if, if, definitely the eyes. Yeah, Thomas Doherty. Yeah, if you do Thomas Doherty, Sean Connery, like actually a picture of him with the same kind of haircut too, and he looks just like him. Very first picture. This one. Look at that. That's oh, crazy. Oh my gosh! Yes. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> He could be Connery for sure. Get Absolutely. Him. It's the eyes. Screenshot that. Wow. What's he been in? What do I know him from? Thomas. And Stewart. wow, look look at that. Oh, the talks? Look at that. Yeah. Yep. It's the eyes and the eyebrows. Yeah. Thomas Doherty. Oh, he's in descendants, because that's uh <laughs> my, my niece watches nice. that. Uh, High Fidelity. He was in. So he's a he's a, he's a he was a Disney kid. Okay, Lord of the Dance. The TV series Dracula. What? The Lodge. Oh, and he's Scottish too. He, this kid must be. <laughs> this must be Connery's kid. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's his name's Thomas, which is Sean Connery's name. Look at that. That's his name. Yep, Thomas Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. See, Thomas Connery. Wow, did not know that. Yeah. Thank you for teaching me. Oh, you're quite welcome. And as we learned, his uh, what were his nicknames when he was a kid? I'll do. I'll do Titch. Oh, it was Titch, and what was the other one? I don't remember. Oh, it was Big Tam. Oh, Titch Bi- and Big oh, Tam. Big Tam. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Big Tam. Good stuff. All right, shall we get into this film? Yeah, I say, yeah, let's get to the... Absolutely. I think we've... Let's rock it. Hey! <laughs> let's rock it, man. Yeah, right? Welcome to The Rock. Welcome to the Wikipedia summary of The Rock. <laughs> All right, so we've got one, two, three. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight paragraphs. So, we, should we just work our way through the film? Yeah, we'll kind of match it with our, Usually, we match with our notes here. And yeah, they kind of through. follow along. Yeah, because I got, I got, it's funny because, as, as always, I always have a tough time. Like, like I'll be watching, like, I was enjoying this movie a lot. And I'm like, I should probably be writing this down. So, mines are very Same. scattered. Mine are like, I have the first, like, 30 minutes, then Connery shows up and I get flustered. And then. <laughs> And then I'm he's like, good looking. Yes, and, w- and with with the long hair, I did not expect the long with the hair. long hair. Yeah, Nicole said the same thing. Oh my god! And I I think I mentioned this on a podcast in the in the past. He should have been Odin in Thor. Yes, like yes. oh my god, seeing this now, I'm like he, he should be Odin. Holy crap! No, no disrespect to Anthony Hopkins, but come for, on. For reference, this is uh, this is Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Wow. Tell me, tell me Connery wouldn't have done Absolutely. a good job in that as well. 
he would have rocked it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. No, it would, I'm going to end up doing that all day. That is fine because we do the Connery voice all the time. Oh, that's all we do. It's like we, we we have so many cheesy jokes on this podcast. I'm sure you'll be privy to them all. So awesome. All righty. Uh, so uh, shall we start going through? I'll, I'll start going through the wiki. Let's do it. All righty. And, uh, yeah, folks, again, we know that the wiki isn't the end-all, be-all, but sometimes it just provides a quality synopsis. Okay. Disillusioned Brigadier General Francis Hummel, Ed Harris, and his second-in-command, Major Tom Baxter, David Morse. Lee, is that David Morse, right? Norse. No, it's Morse. Is it Morse? Morse, yep. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Now you're still thinking of Odin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, dis- disillusioned Brigadier General Francis Hummel, Ed Harris, and his second-in-command Major Tom Baxter, David Morse, lead a rogue group of U.S. Force recon marines against a heavily guarded naval weapons depot to steal a stockpile of 16 VX gas-loaded M55 rockets, ultimately losing one of their men in the process. The next day, along with newly recruited captains Fry and Darrow, Hummel and his men seize control of Alcatraz Island, taking 81 tourists hostages, as hostages. Excuse me. Hummel threatens to launch the rockets against San Francisco unless the U.S. government pays him $100 million from a military slush fund, which he will distribute to his men and the families of recon marines who died on covert missions under his command, but whose deaths were not compensated. Uh, which is like... Uh, like okay, good intentions, but couldn't you have like wrote an email or something like this? <laughs> like this was a Set little up a GoFundMe. Like this guy took in- innocent families, <laughs> locked them up in Alcatraz, and not even enough room to lay down. Yeah, which we'll get into. Yeah, and like and one of Alicia's biggest uh, questions was uh, where do they poop? Which I feel like we asked that for a lot, a lot of these movies. Where do they poop? Where do they just dig a hole? Like. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah, they were in there. They were in there for fifty-six hours. Is that what the time limit was? Yeah, a couple of days, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, oh man, like that's. Ugh. So, like, did they eat? <laughs> yeah, were they did being they fed? Did they get water? Like, these guys are so busy fighting that, like, what? I, about, what about the hostages? I can't imagine there's like a gift shop and cafe on Alcatraz <laughs> <laughs> for the tourists. <laughs> And why? And why would you go on a tour? Even Connery says that's like it's it's a it's a tour a tourist location now. It's like yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. Like that's not that's not like a field trip. Let's go, let's go to Alcatraz. I would have to ask my mother, but I think my parents actually went there. I know they did go to San Francisco way 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 decades ago, but I think they may have actually gone on Alcatraz. I could be wrong, really? but I think they may have. Hmm. I'll have to ask her. Oh my God! Like that just. And I mean, I'm I'm looking it up now. <laughs> can you can you get tours of Alcatraz? Oh yeah. <laughs> How much? Alca- Let me see. Alcatraz. Is this actual? Thing? I was making sure this is the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Buy tickets now. It's like Universal Studios. <laughs> How much? Ticketmaster. Uh, we'll, we'll do it. We'll fly out there and, and visit oh, Alcatraz. And we'll write it off. Th- there's two tickets you can get. You can uh, Alcatraz day tour or a night tour. No, oh, thank you. Shit. No, thank you. Let's do the day tour. No, uh, no, no, night tour, dude. Uh, no. Let's see. Well, the day tour is fifty fifty dollars and fifteen cents. 
per adult, uh, 47 for seniors, 33 for children. Uh, the That's night tour. It's cost, cost an arm and a leg just to get into prison these days. <laughs> night tour is is $10 more, 60 bucks for adults. Oh, wow. Nope. Pass. Hard <laughs> pass. It's more for the dark. So Hard what, pass. So what's, what's the... Well, you got to run the lights, I guess. <laughs> they, they get, hey, that cistern had to stay lit with that fire, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Somebody's got to pay for that. How was that still being lit and I used? Like, I don't know. That was honestly. Well, it must be for the purpose of the tourists. Maybe, but <clears throat> yeah, I guess that, they the... could. Nobody could get into that room. Like, well, he did when he rolled through it and came out the other side. So the other question yeah. is. I don't want to ask stupid questions here, but did they no, actually? No stupid questions. Did they actually film some of the stuff there? Because I mean, like, like, like the exterior stuff definitely looks like Alcatraz, but I doubt that they have actually Nicolas Cage out there with the flares, like at Alcatraz. Most of the film was shot on location in the Alcatraz prison on Alcatraz Island. Well, As shit. It is governed by the National Park Service. It was not possible to close down Alcatraz, and much of the filming had to accommodate tour parties milling around. <laughs> the scene in which FBI Director Womack is thrown off the balcony was filmed on location at the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco. So the cool. numerous the filming led to numerous calls to the hotel by people who saw a man dangling <laughs> from the balcony. The film's closing scene was shot outside the historic Sacred Heart Mission Church in Satakoy, California. At one point, Schwarzenegger was to have played the role of Goodspeed. He turned down the no. role because he did not like the script. Nope. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked no, at all. That, that would have worked, worked at all, yeah. Not at all. You need a, no. you need a younger guy. Because no. how old was... Schwarzenegger was probably like in '96. He would have been. That's Terminator. That's he Terminator. Was born in '47, so he would have been 48 or 49 around film. Yeah, because ter- Terminator yeah. Two is '95. Two. '92. So yeah, yeah, he's he's not. Yeah, he's he, 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 he younger two, guy. '91. '91. Yeah. Yeah, he needed a younger Cage guy. was born in '64, so he would have been like. 31 in this? 32. Well, filming-wise. Yeah, filming-wise. Oh, so yeah. Th- about, about 30, 31-ish. Oh, yeah, that, that awkward sex scene wouldn't work with Schwarzenegger. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a call from San Francisco. I got to go. It's like, it's like, I, I promise I would, I'll come yeah. back no. here and marry you. It would not have worked with him at all. I would have finished the job. Oh my god! Yeah, that wouldn't have worked at all. She she is the prom queen. <laughs> Could somebody get this guy a glass of water or something? It was classified. <laughs> oh, I think we should dub the whole movie with Schwarzenegger's voice. You're right. Work. I don't have combat training. <laughs> I, you saw right through me. I need a gun. <laughs> Give me a gun. Uh, Kermit. <laughs> oh, give me a gun there! Come on. Jordan Peterson? <laughs> Hi ho. Uh, anyways. <laughs> That's Jordan Peterson's catchphrase. Hi ho. He's one of the he's one of the seven dwarves. <laughs> uh, which you can also see in this movie. The seven dwarves? Yeah, if you like they're like working in like the in the mines when Connery is <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, uh, you can also see the Molly Maguires working down there. <laughs> That's the crossover. That's... And 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 you also, if you look close enough, you see Doctor Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
because uh, I wrote uh, that. That was one of my notes. Um, uh, Minecart slash Molly Maguire slash Temple of Doom. <laughs> Uh, all right, so from that first paragraph, let's go on our notes based on that first paragraph, which is the uh, taking of the missiles and the threatening of the government. I would like to uh, mention the opening shots, uh, really great shots like that, that sort of classic sunset the with, the, with the choppers coming in, which is the used. The Apocalypse Now shot. Yeah, and like even used in, they used it in Star Wars for God's sake, with the TIE Fighters coming in. I think it was the second movie in the Disney trilogy. The TIE yeah. Fighters are coming in with the sunset. I'm like, that's just like, that's always a cool shot. And, uh, and yeah, like the whole like scene with like the mercenaries breaking in, uh, kind of reminiscent of, uh, of GoldenEye almost. Like, just mm. the kind of, like, infiltrating and stuff, you know, around the same time, too. Which, again, always... Yeah, this was the year after. Always leans to question, what if Connery did a Bond in the 90s? Like, I feel like he could have... This this should have been Never Say Never Again. Like, something well, like this. this. is Connery's Bond in the 90s, and we'll get into that. Yeah, but... Because we're, we're not even to him yet. Let's, yeah. Let's get, let's get to him when we get to him, I think. Because mm. I... You're correct. You're correct there. <laughs> yes. But Mark yeah, it was like diving head first. Let's do well this. after after like it's kind of a time jump here. But like, let's just say uh, uh, the last movie we did in our timeline, we had to wait for Connery for two and a half hours before he showed up in a three hour film. So it yeah. was it was it wasn't, it wasn't our last one, but it was uh, episode 10, episode 10, the longest day. Yeah, it's a two. 258 it was right at 258 and connery shows up at 155 yikes and 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 we only see him for like a minute and 20 seconds i think it was yeah his total screen time is about 90 seconds and but um to reference that i'm just going back to my notes here uh I gave Sean Connery a 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for his 90 seconds in that movie. <laughs> because boy he he just it just made us happy. It's a real shot in the arm to that movie. It was. It makes me want to go back and like maybe give him a 10 too cuz after thinking about oh, all you, this You don't have to don't have to change it on my account. No, but I, I, if I could, if I could go back, I would be like, no cuz I th- marinating after all this time. That was really great. That was a great Connery moment. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to do re-rankings of stuff, do we have to rewatch the movie? Maybe it's all the Connery stuff. Okay, okay. Because I'm like, I don't think I could sit through that again. Yeah, same thing with, like, uh, Action of the Tiger. As much as we despise Connery in that film, I'd rather just watch the, the two scenes we have with him and just And that analyze. ending scene at the dock. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's his greatest moment. That, well, not even that, not even when he shows up. It's well. I mean, he yeah. He shows up. He doesn't do any um, attempted sexual assault in that scene. Yeah. But um, the the scene with the exchange of the gun with the kid having the gun. Oh yeah. Oh That's my God. that's a good scene. I'd rewatch that scene. That was the scene that that kid was had me on my toes that whole movie. If you remember, it was just like we saw that passing of the gun. Mm. Anyways, well, we'll get back to that well, movie eventually. It was so good. Well, for for context. The, this film action of the tiger there's a fight scene and somebody loses a gun and there's a kid in the scene and the kid takes the gun but nobody sees the kid take the gun the fight because the fight is happening and at the end of the movie our heroes are pretty much fucked and the adults 
have to say goodbye to the to the kids because everyone may die here. It's pretty dark, and and um, Vivian Lee is that the actress's name? She gives one of the kids a hug, and the kid goes, "Boom! Look what I got!" Was it boom, boom, or bang, bang, <laughs> like, or bang, whatever? bang? And she and she just like, grabs it and she's like, "This is the best gift you've ever given me!" And like hugs him tight, <laughs> and then goes over to um, Van Johnson, who is the lead, and hugs him. And like tucks the gun into his hand. It's a brilliantly tense scene, and they're just waiting for Connery because he's driving a boat. Just they have to wait for him to like turn the corner for like them to use that gun, so they have a way off. It's really good. It's a for I'll take a, your word for it for a not great film. It's really good. Sorry yeah. To oh yeah. Con- Connery reminisce. <laughs> Connor miss. All right, Into the Rock here. A much better film. Yes. Um, so my first note on that first paragraph is, uh, contain, uh, regarding the um, stealing of the weapons and the threatening of the government is Dr. Cox. Yes, Dr. Cox. The first person we actually really see in the movie. I mean, you, you, we see Ed Harris like on the phone and smoking a cigarette, being contemplative in the opening credits. But the first person we really see in the movie is John C. McGinley. Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's on... Yes. Play, he's playing a complete hard-ass instead of playing like a dick that he did on Scrubs. Now he's just like a dick with a worse attitude. I, I'm considering him the same character from Seven. Oh, it's been a long time since I saw that one. Have you, see, have you seen Seven, Mario? Was he in Seven? He is. Um, do you remember the sloth murder? Where it's the... Uh, that they find the the man and all the air fresheners are hanging around. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. I haven't John seen John C. In a while, McGinley but... plays the leader of the the team there. Um, he's the one that leans in and goes, "You got what you deserved." <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> all right. Yes, um, I, I I also have in bold Doctor Cox as well with two exclamation points. <laughs> I always like seeing him in things. Yeah, it's like you know, I, I love Scrubs, in office but space. Office, oh, yeah, he's hilarious in Office Space. <laughs> you seen Office Space? Of course. Yeah, he's. He, I'm old. He's one of the bosses. <laughs> yes, that, he is. Um, holy fuck, Bubble Man is my next note. Oh, jeez, yeah, that was when the man is exposed to the gas and he starts bubbling up. Oh, inside the chamber. Yes. And David Morris just goes, "I'm sorry." Yeah. So, do you have any notes? Um, well, see, my notes are probably going to be a little bit different than your guys' notes because I look at this from a woman's point of view. And the, again, the reason I watched this movie was because of the handsome man. But also... <laughs> There's a lot of handsome like, men in this movie. Ed Harris in that uh, Marine Looks very uniform handsome. at the very beginning when he goes to basically tell his dead wife I know you never wanted to see me like this, but it's something I got to do. You're like, oh, he's going to be a good guy, but maybe not a good guy. But damn, he looks good in that uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's how I start my notes. Um, uh, Excuse me. Uh, The when Nicolas Cage has to go into the chamber to disassemble that bomb and the guy that he's in there with starts waving the baby's arms, which activates the smoke and, and everything else that happens. It's scary. And you know that, you know that he's got the atropine needle and he's going to be like, 
it's either this or die period that was terrifying it was terrifying oh. so you just skipped ahead a little bit sorry but no but it's okay because i'm looking here that um it they don't cover that in the the plot here so it's okay we can cover it um because my next note after that is uh, after the bubble man is meet the Beatles because that's our yes. introduction to Nick Nicholas Cage's characters. <laughs> right. Uh, his name is Stanley, Dr. Stanley Goodspeed, which also I wrote is a Bond girl name. <laughs> Dr. Goodspeed. Dr. Goodspeed. A woman. Your powers of credit, your powers of observation do you credit, Mr. Uh, Ho- Holly Goodhead must be a cousin or something. <laughs> so him opening that album having it shipped to the office because he's trying to hide it from his girlfriend because it was a, it was a 60 dollars 600 600 dollar yeah. album and he and his buddy isherwood's like hey why couldn't you just spend 12.95 on the cd like everybody else you know and it just goes to show that he is the nerd yeah and also he got a damn near mint pressing of meet the beatles yeah that was a really nice pressing my, my note for that is uh nicholas cage uh listens to the beatles without earmuffs and exactly. I and I also said, "Damn, that vinyl's in great condition." <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm, I'm wondering if that's why I spent six hundred dollars on it in 1996. Yeah, dude, how much is that worth like now? A, that'd be like a twelve hundred dollar album today. I'm gonna look it up right now. Let's Inflation see. wise, or are you looking up the record on Discogs? Look Just, up Meet the Beatle. Look up. Hold on, I'll I'll, I'll Discogs it. I just want to see how much it's worth now. Well, yeah, you do that. I'll look at like people trying to sell it on eBay or something. Meet the Beatles. Okay, because that is a, one of the American Capital albums. Yeah, one of the guys trying to sell it for two hundred bucks, five hundred bucks here. That's an original pressing. Wow. Uh, Buy a copy. Three twenty. Sort price highest. Is that authentic oh signed okay. cover uh, for $13,000? Uh, $13, wow. For signed sign, by who? Uh, signed by John, apparently. And it's, it looks like an original pressing. Oh, wow. So the most expensive one going right now on Discogs is a Japanese pressing um, from Odeon. Uh, I really love stuff like this. Um did I send you the Parlogram YouTube channel? The guy that has been selling Beatles vinyls for 30 years? Oh, no, you haven't, but I already uh, mentioned them. So this one from uh, Japan, it's uh, going for $2,800. <whistles> yeah. So one around $600. We got one for 675 here, and that's uh, in very good condition. Wow. Yeah, so there's uh, it. It definitely depends on the pressing itself, but yeah. Anyway, I I really like that. That is our introduction to Nicholas Cage's <laughs> character. That he's a Beatles fan and yeah. he's willing to spend a good chunk of change to have quality vinyl and hide it from his woman. <laughs> I don't think he's hi- he's he'll probably have he's it absolutely out. Absolutely, well, he's hiding it. that he bought it, but I think once he gets home, he'll just have it out. Because right. when you see, I and like his, I like his big loft apartment, and he's just hanging out with his guitar. Yeah, and it looks good with his shirt off, Nicholas Cage. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> looks good with his shirt off, Nicholas Cage. He does. Mm. Mm. Drink beer, he does. Mm. <laughs> I have that on my notes. Nicholas Cage looks good, um, but yeah, holy fuck, bombing a baby doll, and uh, Marvin is so stupid 
You're on the bomb squad. Like, why would you go fucking around with a baby doll's arm and be like, oh, hello, look at this. Like, what do you think's going to happen? And then all of a sudden it just starts spraying gas. Of course. Of course. And I got mad at, like, just the, just the maintenance of your fancy lab where anything could go wrong. Test your sprinklers. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. With their backed up. What are they? Give us a second. Ba- no. Backed up with what? Cheese? Like I don't understand why. Why is it? Why is why you're you need to go, backed up? The, the pipes need, are frozen. They need to call Roto Rooter. Yeah. <laughs> oh d- damn! It's all Drano coming down. It's just making our suits melt faster. <laughs> all, like, all sh- that should be somebody's daily job. Flush those pipes. Flush the pipes. Yeah, like you li- make sure the water's working. It's literally your chamber that you use to detonate a bomb or like whatever like whatever's <laughs> going on in that thing you you need the sprinklers to work and you why don't, don't you just have them, them working in in why don't you have that chamber filled up halfway with water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you just th- just all right guys squat down done uh, it's 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 like it's like the pool from is that you only live twice the novel that they have the pool no they have like what's the one that had no they reference it in No Time to Die. Oh, it's like a garden, right? Just a garden. Oh, the Garden of Death. The Garden of Death. Yeah, yeah that's you only live twice. Yeah, but yeah. So I was like, it just have. That's what it was it reminded me of. It's like it's at the Garden of Death. It's just a freaking a chamber of death, and like this. It's, and the sprinklers don't work. And the, no sprinklers are working. How are you gonna? How are you, how are you gonna water the flowers in the Garden of Death? Come on now. <laughs> or at the well, it would be like if the Garden of Death, if the um. The incinerators didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I got, I got my garden of death, but just in case, there's a little uh, active pilot light under every single plant. That's just a, in case. It's like if the if if the crematory at Mister Slumber's <laughs> those goddamn diamonds no are full. fire. That's why Connor didn't burn alive <laughs> because because the, yeah, it just had water pipes in there. Yeah. <laughs> Spread them with water. Worst crematorium ever. Oh. Uh, okay, so, but that opening sequence, the stealing of the VX missiles, that is where I'd put the 007 theme. Mm, okay, yeah. Did you hear the piece of music that, that we referred to you? Yes, I did. Also, that's seven hits. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, there it oh. is. I put that music... When they are in the mines in the rail cars. Yes. Me too. Okay. Me too. Absolutely. That's in my notes. Ab- like I was just like, it almost sounds like indie music. It does. And he did all that already. And yeah, it's yeah. That's where I put that music. Yeah. So that could go there, or the Indiana Jones theme could go there. Speaking of of, we'll get to it. But like speaking of like familiar music, we'll get to that. But the, the, the score in this film is very reminiscent of something. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, like, yeah. like when when he's escaping the hotel, even Alicia said, "Like this, this Pirates of the Caribbean or something." It, it sounds <laughs> just <laughs> like. Yeah. It's Hans Zimmer, and he hadn't done Pirates of the Caribbean yet. He would do it in four years. Uh, he, he recycled. He's like, oh, let's, let's take this. For sure, it's Hans Zimmer. Let's take this theme from The Rock and see if anybody notices. Well, we noticed. He literally has like a school of people that make music for him. Mm, true. 
and publish it under his name. Now, I'm, I'm also just throwing allegations loosely. <laughs> I, I shouldn't accuse musicians of things. But I believe that is correct. I believe he has a team that writes music as him. Huh. I'll have to look that up. But of all the things I'll look up, I'm not going to look that one up right now. I'll just throw accusations. You know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. Yeah. I don't have a, a computer near me. Um, Hans Zimmer writers uh, I wouldn't mind working for Hans Zimmer neither would I on uh, Ghost Riders okay alright there's a there's a long article here but uh Huh. All right. Yeah. So th- okay. There's there's some some articles on it. I'll, I'll read them in uh, in time. Okay. Um, yeah. I wasn't nuts about the score. Several times I wrote that I I didn't love Hans Zimmer's score here. Mm. It was a little weird. And uh, he wrote it with Nick Glennie Smith, a frequent collaborator with Hans Zimmer. Um, has done. First Class, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, Man of Steel. So he's worked with them on a handful of things. I just wasn't nuts about this score. What did you think about the music in this movie? Yeah, I wasn't cra- like that nuts about it. There was something like, it, it just cried out to me very, very 90s, very, very Titanic. Even when they're in the water, when Connery dives in after him, like we're jumping to the end, but like, I made that note as well. I think this sounds like the Titanic. Like this is crazy. Uh, so yep. like uh, that's just the feel of that era, I guess. Where like it was just that's the sound of the '90s, I guess. But um, yeah, was not uh, crazy about it. Mama Jules, what do you think of the score? I'm not here for the music. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> here for the Connery. <clears throat> I'm, right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like obviously, I'm not as well spoken and the music world as you guys are but for me the music was uh good in the sense of like building up the right action moments and so on and so forth so i didn't have any issues with the music so serviceable serviceable yes five out of five serviceable (laughs) (laughs) it it served the purpose that it It did it absolutely served the purpose whether i can say it was good or not Mm. not what i was paying attention to understandable (laughs) I mean, it was there was like one woman in the whole movie. There is. There's a lot of men for me to look at. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna have a little bit of a different perspective than you guys. It, that was really <laughs> one of the things hammering home that it's Michael Bay that made this film is that there's one woman in this movie. Um. So, and if I can just like interject a little bit, just of course, stepping you're on away this podcast. From, right. So, I am, I am a girl, oh. and. A woman. (laughs) (laughs) A woman of a certain age. And um, I am a stereotypical woman of this age where action movies are not my thing. Like the whole shoot 'em up shit, really not my thing. I don't watch uh, Schwarzenegger and way back in the day, Steven Seagal. And like, I'm not interested in any of that action Mm. stuff. However, again, watched it because of Sean Connery. But it, I liked the combination of the action, the sensibility of his relationship with the daughter, mm. 
And then he passes that on to Nick Cage, who is about to have his own family as well. So I look at it from a little bit of a different standpoint that I was looking at it from the sensibility side. Yes, I did actually like the action. Sometimes it was a little much for me, a lot of blowy uppy stuff, but I agree. Um, but I was able to look past that to see the purpose of Ed Harris's mission was again, it, it was, it was, he was trying to be a good guy, but execution was way off. So it was me looking at it from... I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it's me looking at it from the standpoint of, I'm a woman. I'm a mom. I love a good love story. I love people who are funny in the midst of the drama. So for me, that's why the movie was good for me. I could kind of look beyond the blowy-uppy stuff mm. because I enjoyed the rest of the context of what the purpose of all of this was about in the first place. It was to do right by people. And so that's why, as a woman, I got sucked in because we tend to want to do right by people. Just my two cents. I like it. Hmm. And that is a, a big theme of this film, is doing right by people. It but is. The, it absolutely C- is. Cage's last action in the film, sorry to skip so far ahead, right. but his last action in the film is was, literally doing right by him. Right. Is doing right, right by connery absolutely he's like go go to my hotel room take my money take my money take my clothes start a new life right and he again jumping ahead he did that because he flat out said womack ripped up your pardon yeah and even before in the scene with the daughter he's working your father's working with us right right there was a softer side to him yeah because even though he at that point in time he still didn't have a kid he just has one on the way he understands what this small amount of freedom means to John Mason. Mm. That's why he allows him to spend that time with his daughter, and he sits on the bench behind him so he can hear him, but doesn't have to interact. Yeah. So that care, was... some caring and kindness, and from a woman's perspective, that's kind of what moms and women look for is a little bit of caring and kindness. We're not all about the guns and the fires and the rifles and all that stuff. Well, you brought that up. That is my favorite scene in the film. Is the scene with his daughter. With his daughter. With Claire mm. As short as it is. Mm. It's about two minutes, three minutes-ish. But still. And it, uh, all right, let's get to it when we get to it, because I have <laughs> yes, a lot to sorry. say about it. I jumped too. ahead. No, no, sorry. it's okay. It's all right. We jump all over the place, and then we find our way back on track. Okay. Like like the trains in, the, in this podcast seem to. Oh, yes. The trains jump all over the place, and then they get off track, usually by some sort of... Um, rebellious action yes by our lead no no then, no trains in this what were there no trains no, in this tra- movie. no trains well except for the underground carts oh yes that on that are on <laughs> the, uh, train tra- they're on tracks that's yeah. about as close to a train yeah. as it's but, so like for the mall- and uh the um the San Francisco tourist oh, caboose. The, tr- the, the trolley. The, tro- the, trolley. the trolley is our train, yes. The There's, trolley is the train. Because we do okay. have a, a, a trolley, <laughs> a very kind of ridiculous trolley stunt. But we'll get yes. to it. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to it. We will get to it because, again, I got notes on that too. Yes. All right. So let's keep going with, with the uh, wiki here. The Department of Defense and FBI develop a plan to retake the island using a U.S. Navy SEAL team led by Commander Anderson, the FBI's top chemical weapons specialist, Dr. Goodspeed, and the only inmate ever to escape Alcatraz, John Mason. FBI Director James Womack bribes Mason with a pardon, which Womack subsequently destroys, 
and Mason is set up in a hotel. He escapes, resulting in a car chase with good speed through the streets of San Francisco as Mason seeks out his estranged daughter, Jade. They meet, but she accuses him of escaping again when Goodspeed arrives. He covers for Mason by telling Jade that the that Mason is aiding the FBI. All right. That's that paragraph. So I think that brings us up to that point-ish. Um, so we got our introduction to Connery, uh, which hits exactly, I have it in my notes. 2815. Interesting. I had 2814, but... For, okay. We'll, we'll meet in the middle at 14.5. <laughs> so 28 minutes, 14 and a half seconds. Uh, so I have some notes building up to there. Um, Nick Cage looks really good. Um, How about a coffee? Yeah, I really like it. No, 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 thanks. I'm good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> no, for me. Uh, yeah, I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> um, Tuco's bun is my <gasps> next note. So Tuco's in this movie. Oh my god, uncredited. Raymond Cruz. Why? He's not credited? He is not credited. Why? Huh. Is he not credited? Oh uh, no, he's he credited is... in the wiki, but not, not in the movie itself. Not in the movie itself. And if, even if you look up on IMDb, it says Raymond Cruz, uncredited. You and got the IMDb there, Mario? Uh, let me pull it up. I have to say, it's literally in my notes. I think Raymond Cruz invented the man bun. I, has, absolutely. I, I wrote Tuco's bun heart. That is my, my method of taking these notes. I, Look I just at how heart. young he was. He's very young. And a little bit thinner, not as beefy, bulky. He hadn't done meth yet. <laughs> I'll see him No, there. that would keep him thin. Well, not when you're a Salamanca and you get on meth. You get hyperactive and you work out and you just like yeah. stay. I mean, he was ripped. he was so beefy in later years and, mm. and other shows. Like, I've seen, he's been a cop in a couple he of shows. He was just in that Breaking Bad commercial of... What, yes! Oh, that was yes. so funny. I didn't yes. like that at all, actually. I thought it was great. I thought it was kind of shameless. <laughs> oh, I thought in, it was In the fun. way, like, you can only take something good and milk it before it becomes... Like, Breaking Bad is still a perfect show, but then you have so many things that, like, diminish it a little bit. Like, like Popcorners takes away its power. You know Everybody I mean? loves a good Walt and Jesse moment. Sorry. I don't like it, though. I, I like it when it, it happens in Better Call Saul, yeah. but not trying to sell me something. That that you know? that I don't like. I, I, I don't like that there was featured a lot with... Um, like, I understand it's like the prequel with Better Call Saul, but like I just like that piece to be separate for... like go, Have hints of it in Better Call Did Saul. Did you finish Better Call Saul? Uh no, but I saw the, I, I I saw the because everyone was spoiled it for me, so I was like, I'll just watch the scene. There's only three episodes that they're in. Yeah, and it's like cumulatively, I think it's like ten minutes of screen time. Yeah, I, I watched it. They're not in it much, and it's really just to, to I think to tie because we don't see much of Saul's time in Breaking Bad, mm. uh, in Better Call Saul. Excuse me. It is just to tie the two shows together. Yeah, true. I, I just I get nervous because I don't want it to become Star Wars, where it's like we need to know exactly what happened at the cantina two minutes after Obi Wan, Luke, and no, Han no, it's left, not like that. You know? No, they they flesh out each other's stories in a great way. I would yeah. say, you finished Breaking Bad. So I, I uh, yeah, Breaking Bad I finished. Okay, all right, go watch El Camino. I see, I've seen El Camino. I love El Camino. Okay. 
Okay, that was a great movie. Yeah. All right, so now just watch Better Call Saul. Yeah. You haven't seen Better Call Saul yet? I, f- I started, I think I did the first season, and then like I just got disconnected from it, never got back to it. So I, I got to... Dude. Now, now that I'm unemployed, I can watch anything. So <laughs> it's, it's on my list of like a hundred things. I have, I have Mandalorian uh, coming up soon and everything else. No, so it's like, no bump, bump Better Call Saul all the Better way. Call Better Call Saul right to the top. Yep. Well, Absolutely. It really, that honestly... Like we I, we got together as a family and watched it in complete silence. Yep. Like really? nobody's allowed to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And like as soon as it was over, we'd be like, "Oh my god, that one part. Oh my god." Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. so. Yeah. Raymond Cruz's man bun. Yes. Uncredited in the movie. It's good to see him in anything. But I, I was actually a little surprised that Oh, he is was... he uncredited in IMDb? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is really weird. I was so I was a little surprised that he was uncredited because yes he only had two or three lines whatever, mm. but he's alone with one of what? them I forget in that mine shaft in the movie. Yeah, Cage kills him. Yeah, so I'm like he like he's literally got his own scene. So I, that's why I was a little surprised he was uncredited. Mm. Like, oh, anywho, I did actually uh, have a note on that because I'm not nuts about the editing in this film and it's edited. Very poorly during that scene, so you can't even tell that it is him that dies. Right. So. Well, everything's happening so fast. Yeah, but... And the, but ca- the camera angles keep going back and forth. This cart, that cart, this cart, that cart, this cart. So it's cart. a combination of maybe they just didn't shoot it well enough, and then maybe the editor was working with what they had. Yeah. Like, it just... It could have been filmed better. Like, I would have liked to see that it was him dying. If he fell out of the cart... And the way he fell, you couldn't see his bun. Right. So, so I'm like, I, was that Tuco? <laughs> I know his name's not Tuco, but his name is Sergeant Rojas. Also, well, Tuco a, another another side one that's not credited. I was surprised. Uh, Philip Baker Hall. He was in as a pretty good chunk. I'm surprised he was uncredited as well. Oh yeah, huh? Oh yeah. Why is he uncredited? Like, geez, we have we have like. <laughs> He was in that war room area. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's he's like one of those faces that like when he popped up, I'm like oh shit, like you know, like that's a that's a name. Like I, I had to I had to do a double take this to realize mm-hmm. that was Tuco before, but um, with him, he's so yeah. young. That's why. Yeah, but but yeah, but with yeah that and and Philip Baker Hall has just been in so much. You recognize, and he's always been. been old. Yeah, he always looks like <laughs> he's that. always old. Yeah, he looks the same as he did. Like I always, every time I think of him, I don't know why. He's been in so many great films, but I always think of him as uh, in Bruce Almighty. He's Jim Carrey's yes. boss, <laughs> so and he looks the yep. same in that movie that he did. In this. That's where my mind goes to as well. Oh yes. Uh, my next note is that the Alcatraz bathroom looks like the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> Two Harry Potter references: the Chamber of Secrets bathroom and the minecart remind me of Gringotts Bank. Oh yeah, huh? Like, we, okay, we edit that one in too. All <laughs> so just edit every minecart thing together. Minecart. It's just like every time it goes from like a lit area to a dark area. It's so it starts off with Connery and Nick Cage, and then it goes into the dark and it comes out in the light, and it's indie and. Uh, short round and um, uh, what's her name in that one? Willie. Willie. Willie Scott. Uh, and then it goes into the dark again. And it comes out and it's um, uh, the Molly Maguires. And then it goes into the dark and comes out again and it's Gringotts Bank. <laughs> it's Harry and so Hagrid on the Exactly. It's just constantly changing people. Oh, oh, Connery would have been a great Hagrid too, by the way. I was thinking about that. 
I mean, I mean Robbie I, Coltrane was perfect, but like in another world, Connery. I had I had that thought the other night. I don't know what triggered it. I might have been talking to you, but yeah, Connery as as Hagrid would have been imposing as hell, oh, but he yeah. would have been too old. Probably, yeah. Um, I love Ed Harris. Ed Harris Hart. Mm. He's really good in this. Yeah. Um, Why does he always play such a bad guy? Because he's good at it. Yeah, he's he good just, at playing ominous people. He just looks like a bad guy. Like just yeah. everything you see him in. Though I'm sure if you like hung around him, just like you he's live he's near probably him, one he's of the probably, nicest people. Like oh, go go over to Ed's house for you know he's making steaks and you can watch the game. You know. Um, uh, uh, Nicole was watching the first half of this with me, and we both really laughed when Nick Cage said "naughty, naughty." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, and that was just about pigtails. That wasn't even yes. about what she was wearing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Nick Cage Hart, my next note. He's just great in this movie. Uh, and I think it was the naughty naughty that really like <laughs> sold it on me. Like, okay, he loves the Beatles. He's got a guitar. And then the naughty naughty. <laughs> I'll just punch it in. When he was playing guitar on the couch, who thought he was naked under that guitar? Same. <laughs> Yes, I thought he I'm was. Like, was he not? I'd be after I just diffused a bomb. I'd be yeah. like, I'm not wearing clothes the rest well, of the and day. And he kept saying, "I'm just, I'm relaxing. I diffused a bomb. I'm relaxing. Mm, I think you're naked under that guitar." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again, a woman watching a movie with all men. That's where our brains go. All attractive men in this. Movie let's let's just say, let's just say that like, this hollow body has four f holes in it. That's a guitar joke for you. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, my next note is Michael Bean as Captain Anderson Hart. I love Michael Bean and I miss him. Why is he not in more things? Michael Bean's fucking awesome. Mm. Michael Bean is like the coolest dude in this whole movie. Do you like Michael Bean, Mom? Uh, sorry, I have to look him up. I, you know, here, here I'll, I'll just pull up a no. picture of him right here. You know how I am. This is Michael Bean. Uh, yeah. Kyle Reese. Yeah. He, he always plays kind of a hard ass, too. Yes. Him. Aliens. Terminator. Yeah. See, that's where I remember him from. Yeah. Very handsome man. Always always a delight to see in films. And I, what, yeah. what has he been in recently? Let's yeah, see. I remember him from Terminator days and Alien days. Tombstone. Um. Wow, his filmography has a whole Wikipedia page all its own. Oh, my Lord. He's been in a lot. Oh, The Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power. We need to watch that. It's got Lou Ferrigno. Oh, hell yeah. The, the shadow effect. Like, he's just in, like, garbage. Like, half of the stuff he's in recently has no Wikipedia page, which is a sign. Oh, he was also in The Abyss. Yes. Did you just say that? Sorry. No, no. No. Grindhouse was the last, like... So, do you think that maybe thing. Ed Harris said, I want Michael Bean in this movie? Because I worked with him before? Um, I think it might have just been Michael Bay, knowing what... Knowing who makes a good action movie cast. Yeah. You know? Like, I want... He was so handsome as a young man. Michael Bean? Yeah. Oh, right? Super handsome as a young man. Susan's Plan. 
He's not in anything <clears throat> big. The Art of War. The Victim. Directed by Michael Bean. Oh, man. Also writer and director. Oh, boy. Huh. Oh, he's in The Walking Dead as Ian. Oh, yeah, he was in The Mandalorian. That's oh, okay. Yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. He was in an episode of Criminal Minds. Um, do you do either of you have any more notes on this section? Uh, oh, actually, oh, actually, I have a bunch of notes on this section. <laughs> do you have notes? I do. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as you said, um, this is where we get Connery. He shows up at twenty-eight, fourteen and a half, uh, sporting the long hair. John Mason is his name. Yes. And he's he's he is uh, he was British intelligence. And he refused to give up information, and they threw him in prison for 30 years without a trial. And the information is microfilm yes. with dirt on every important person across the face of the earth. Mm. Which we which we get a little hint to the microfilm at the end. Yes. But he says that. Yes. He actually says it in the beginning about who's on there. Yeah. Uh, who... who who killed JFK? Who actually yeah. killed JFK? Um, and of course, you know everyone else is like, "Is there going to be a sequel?" Because I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a sequel to this. Would you watch a sequel to this? Yeah, why not? Can I like? I would. Yeah, same. Like Mason, like he's he's back, and I need him for one more job or whatever. No, or... you you couldn't do it with Connery. I'd watch it with an older Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Oh, really? I maybe, don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's gone up the chain of nerdiness in the FBI, and they're like, we're going to put you in charge of all the super important shit now, instead of just chemical warfare. <laughs> Honestly, I if I would I would want a sequel to this to be way 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 lower stakes. But like like turn that opening scene of his character where he's defusing the bomb, make that the plot of a movie. Because in a Michael Bay plot, in a make a little bit in a Michael Bay film, that's like a nothing plot. Mm-hmm. But in any other film, that's the plot. Right. We've got a bomb. It needs to be defused before it kills a bunch of people. Yeah. That's a movie plot right there. Yeah. Look at and look I at Speed. Like see- for God's sake, Speed was just exactly. a, a a bomb on a bus. That was the whole movie, and you were on such your seats film. the whole time. That's such a great film. Um, my next note after how much I miss Michael Bean is Nicole is in. That's what she told me. She was like glued to the TV, like leaning forward. And I'm like, you enjoying this? She's like, oh yeah, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Way back in the days of when I had cable, when I could afford cable. I used to watch it frequently. And, or like even in later years, you know, clicking through regular channels, you know, TBS or AMC or whatever. Be like, oh, the last half hour? Absolutely. Mm. Click. This it's, is definitely a, a... It's one of those... It's kind of like, on the for me, personally, it's on the same wavelength of Shawshank. I can pick it up absolutely anywhere and watch it from there. Both films and about prison escapes. Love Shawshank. That's a great film. Hell yeah. Shawshank was filmed, to totally change the subject, Shawshank yeah, was cool. filmed at a prison in a town I used to live in, huh. and a friend of ours was the warden of that prison. Whoa! What? Yep. what was the prison? I don't remember the name of it, but it's in Mansfield, Ohio. Huh. Wow. And I was very, 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 very young when I lived there. Like wow. pre, pre-elementary pre school. Huh. But yeah, that's where they filmed it. Anyway. Damn. 
Yeah, we don't go off topic in this podcast no. at all. No, not at all. Ever. So, The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. So, John Mason. Mario, do you... Oh, you got fun, something? Fun. I just want to go look it up. <laughs> you can you can tour this... Uh, <laughs> you can tour the, tour the Shawshank uh, prison in Mansfield, Ohio now. It's open for tours now. Yeah, and it's not actually called Shawshank. It's called some, something correctional facility. Oh, yeah. Like that. They, they, call, yeah. they call it the Shawshank Trial. Yeah. But I want to know what the name I'd go. of the... I'd absolutely go. Rather than Shawshank, it's Stop and Stab. <laughs> Stop and Stab. <laughs> I would 100% go back to Mansfield, Ohio to tour that. Oh, it's called the Ohio State Reformatory. Huh. Okay. I don't think we can justify writing this one off. No. No, yeah, yeah, it has to, has to be a Connery movie that we go that we finish, visit the uh, yeah, location yes. to. No, so <laughs> I'm sure he was considered for the Morgan Freeman role. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he was. Maybe this was around the same time. Maybe. And, Understandable. And I'd I would play him very well. I d- I don't envision him being named someone red. I do. He's Scottish. Yeah. He, Big Tam, you can't see him being called Red. <laughs> Big Red. Right, but his name is Otis Red. Redding. Redding. <laughs> no, I think his name is like Otis something, or maybe that's his last name, I forget. Yeah. Anyway, there's a reason that he's called Red. But yes, it would work. Anyway. Would work. S- sorry. Um. So, uh, so, so, so Connery, so, Connery, Connery is yes, here. Yes, Connery. <laughs> Mario, do you know the theory about John Mason in this film? The theory? Yes. No. What's your, what's the theory? The theory, and you can look this up because this is definitely not just me, is that John Mason is James Bond. Mm. Do you know this theory? You've told me this theory. He works for the... British government. Right. And he says, they they clarify that he is a British operative. Yeah. Um, SAS. So. And the year that he is captured and thrown into prison is 1962. Ooh. And he escaped in 63. The, the year Dr. No comes out is 1962. Uh, okay. I think that's a little nod to it. Possibly. But... Are you looking it up, Mario? Oh yeah, uh, someone someone said they shot down the Bond theory. I just want to see what they say. But of course, you can't actually say it. Yeah. Be, the broccolis would sue you. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would that that would make so much sense. Absolutely. I so to bring up what we were talking about earlier. I think I kind of had that in my head the whole time watching this movie, and it improved the movie a little bit for me. Like, this is James Bond. This is Connery's it. final Bond film. Yep. Though I think his final real Bond film is Sir Billy, but we'll find <laughs> out about that. Um, so do you think, let's dig into this a little bit. So with the daughter, so in another world, would Tracy have survived? Well, no, because... Or do you think it's a different woman? I have, I have a note about that. Um... Oh, or is it uh, his actual like girlfriend that we see we saw in multiple movies that she's she's the cl- the one in the classic first Bond James Bond Doctor No playing cards with him that we see her in from Russia with Love I forgot her name the girlfriend um, 
Well, I think it might just be like that. That this is maybe not because if he went to prison in '62, then Doctor No onward, none of that happened. So maybe it's an alternate timeline. Maybe. Oh, oh, Sylvia Trench. I'm really trying to make this work, but <laughs> if there's anything Bond, I, I hear you. I hear you stretching, dude. I hear okay. you stretching. All right. Well, the, honestly, the Bond franchise itself does more stretching than I'm doing right here. Because it's like, okay, what if Blofeld was Bond's brother and he was the master of all Bond's pain, and he had, he had taken all the villains from the past five movies and he had made them go after Bond because he was angry at his little stepbrother. Like, that's a stretch, and that really is in the most recent Craig films. Like, it is a stretch of stretch. Which is also the same plot as uh, Austin Powers' Gold Member. Uh, Gold Member, <laughs> yeah. Literally, Gold Member did it in 2001, and Spectre in 2015 is like, yeah, Bond and Blofeld are brothers. Like, this is... 14 years ago now. Sam Mendes uh, said that's a good that's a good story right there. Let's he go. should not have been brought back for Spectre. Ugh. Um but uh on the subject of the mother, I wrote I made a note about that. He said he when he's meeting with Claire Forlani, who also heart, she's great. I love seeing her in anything. Um he said that he met her mother at a Zeppelin concert. Right, and she she indicated, like, this was a, a pump and dump in the bathroom. Yes. But also, or, may, or maybe... A pump the... and dump. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe it was. But either way, the main takeaway... That, that's what she alluded to. The main takeaway here is let's imagine Sean Connery at a Zeppelin concert. No. Come from the land of the ice and snow and the midnight sun and the hot springs flow. <laughs> That makes sense. He doesn't like the they Beatles, but he loves Zeppelin. They are only Edie who saw all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. Oh! Hey, hey, Mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. <laughs> that's the main takeaway i think from the whole movie is that that connery in some universe likes zeppelin that's the one tease man it's like because uh, going back to the setup of the beatles thing i was hoping for some kind of beetle needle drop or maybe a zeppelin needle drop we do you ready for this are you ready for this yep okay in the credits I have to pull it up on my phone because I didn't actually make a note. In the credits, there is a song mentioned. And I didn't hear it in the movie because I didn't know to look for it. This song is called A World Without Love. And the the uh, writer's credit is attributed to Lennon McCartney. Really? Oh. It is a song that Paul wrote when he was 16. He was living with Jane Asher. And his his girlfriend at the time and her brother Peter was starting a band, and he asked McCartney if he could use the song, and McCartney wasn't nuts about it, and he gave it to uh, Peter Asher as credited as Lennon and McCartney. Uh, the first line of the song is "Please lock me away," and John would mock it by going, "Yes, okay, end of song." <laughs> <laughs> um, now the 
so that shows up somewhere in the movie. So Beatles tracks are very expensive to license for films. Mm. Um, as we saw in A View to a Kill, the Beach Boys are very expensive to license. So they got some other cover band doing California Girls. Mm. Um, so this must have been their workaround to get a Beatles song in the film. And if you listen to the song, A World Without Love by Peter and Gordon, it sounds very Beatles-esque. It is definitely 100% a Paul McCartney song. Uh, and the real note to take away from here, the lead guitarist on the recording is studio musician Vic Flick, who also played the guitar like on the James Bond theme. What? Yep. Look at that. Look at that. Listen to that. Oh, yeah. they. I remember, I think this plays in his apartment. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. But I think I was more focused on the dialogue, so I just let it okay, breeze well, past. Okay, wow. That's, I like this. Sorry, right? I'm listening to it inside here. No, it's good. Uh, Have you ever heard this song, Mike? Please lock me away and don't allow the day. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Yes, I know that song. Yeah. It is it is wicked 1963 Paul McCartney. Okay. I got a Connor P. Do it up. Alrighty. All right, and we're back. Uh so yes, we just covered uh A World Without Love, that song. Um so yeah, we are uh Okay, we're at the interrogation scene. Mm. When they first let Connery out of prison, he is in the interrogation room with his long hair. William Forsyth is overacting and trying. <laughs> I like him. To, I like w- William Forsyth too. He's he's a good actor, and but just his overacting. Yeah, well, it's fine. I mean, look at who he's dealing with. He's dealing with someone who's escaped prison multiple times. Of course, he's pissed. But he's also like the he's playing the yes. uptight military guy. Yes, he is. Uh, FBI guy, excuse me. Um, I really like this scene. We mentioned it earlier. They they are, realize they're not getting anything out of him using William Forsyth, and Forsyth tosses a quarter and says, "Go ahead, call your lawyer. You're going back to jail. Why would you do that? Why would you give him anything?" That was um, very reminiscent for me of Uncle Buck, when Uncle Buck goes to see the principal, and he throws a quarter never at her. Uncle Buck. What? I know. Oh, you got to see Uncle Buck. I know. Oh my God, it's so good. But so Have you seen Uncle Buck years ago. No, yeah. not a oh. fan. Not a fan. No. Really? Oh, I love yeah. Uncle Buck. Yeah, John Candy, not one of my favorites. No. Oh. No. I love John Candy. He's yeah. Can, can I, the reason I watched that is because on our my other podcast, Friggin' Earth's podcast, we talked about uh, Cool Runnings. So that made me want to watch Cool Runnings. Wow. Then when we watched Cool Runnings, I was like, I got to go see Uncle Buck. And I've been watching like John Candy movies on the side. <laughs> He's in Cool Runnings? Yeah, he plays like their coach. Huh. Yeah, that's really, that's, that's, a, that's a good movie too. That's a fun movie. Hmm. But anyways, um, yes, interrogation uh, scene. I also, uh, to mention, so we, meet, we see him at 2814.5, uh, and I marked on his first quote, his first line is, in charge of what? Fucking me over for another three decades? I love that first line. <laughs> that is a great first line. Opening line. Uh, I, When Forsyth tosses him a quarter, the way it like falls off the table, 
is like a weird CGI shot. Yes, of a, it's like I agree. The quarter is like launching itself off the table. <laughs> Do you know what I'm referring yeah. to? <laughs> like, it did. It took a life of its own. <laughs> it All right, we need this shot of a quarter falling from a table. And Michael Bay's like, "All right, we launch it from an air cannon." What do you say? <laughs> um, uh, hi, I'm Stanley Goodspeed. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah that's my. That's one of my quotes. <laughs> Your powers of observation do you credit, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Literally every time I mess that line up, I always say it of your powers of credit do, your, do you observation. <laughs> uh, um, I like that he says he needs a haircut because it's grunge. And he goes, grunge. Grunge. <laughs> grunge. Yes. <laughs> Which also, would, would Cobain have been alive at this point? He died in... He died the same year? He might have died the same 94. Year. 94. So two years before. Um, but grunge still would have been prevalent. But I do like that he brings it back when he's getting the haircut. He's like, you know, what's who did this to you? He's like, oh, it's a grunge thing. I, I love that. <laughs> yes, I loved the hairstylist. He's super funny. Yes. Um, he's been in other sitcoms and whatnot, but he absolutely played the perfect uh, stylist. He was not. Because they were like, you're the barber? No. No, I'm, I'm the, the stylist. stylist. <laughs> yeah. When he's being held hostage in the elevator, he's like, I didn't see you. I don't know your name. I just want to know, did you, Do you like, like your haircut? <laughs> <laughs> so yes. good. He knows what matters to him. Right. He's like, he's not going to kill me. He's a right. sweet. I can tell he's a sweet guy. I just did his hair. He's not going to kill me. I just want to know that he likes it for the inconvenience he's putting me through. Yes, uh, that so whole sweet. sequence. Can we, can we talk about whole, Connery in the in the, the shower whole, singing? Well, the whole balcony thing. Yes. Oh my god, that was well, shocking. Yes, the sh- well, shower well, first. To build, to shower build up first. To, to build up to there, I brought up the quarter. I really like that he smashes the quarter with the chair and then uses it to right. cut the hole in the glass. That was fucking awesome. Right. That and was you know that cool he's moment. only doing that so he can poke his head in and make sure that it's Womack on the other side of that window. Exactly. That's and, the only reason he did it. Yep. And he finally reveals himself. He's like, Womack, I knew it was you. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. You piece of shit. Um, and then on the the plane ride there, uh, he's sitting across from, is it plane or bus or whatever? Or uh, truck or whatever, excuse me. Um, he's sitting across from Goodspeed and he just barks at him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he does he kind of he does he does a little duck when he does that. He gets scared. <laughs> and that, and then we get to the singing in the shower. Yes. Which we on the, on this podcast we always are happy to hear Sean Connery singing. <laughs> it's and he's singing. And he was faking it till he made it. Yes. Big time. That was he was a so busy plotting. Plan. He was so busy plotting. That was brilliant. Yeah. And 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 the the yeah, that whole the boss drop, that's what I called it, boss drop. The boss drop, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I have a note, uh, stylist heart, wow, heart. He looks <laughs> so good after the hair. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Different person. With that suit, he is yes. Bond. He is 100% James Bond in this movie. Telling me he's not James Bond in this movie? In the suit, yes. Yeah. 
Well, he's like and says in the tactical too. gear too. In tactical what gear too, I was like because he, he alludes to that too. Another hint that it could be Bond because he even says like you know it's like you know I want some food and like uh, the feel of a good shoot on me. Like he like he's like the guy I want right. to put a tuxedo on again. You know, I'm like he's yeah. he's Bond man. He's definitely Bond. Mm. Uh, but like I yeah, and I uh, another Connery quotable here uh, in the same shower scene when he calls the uh, <laughs> room service. The room service. They yes. says, "Do you do uh, snacks and drinks?" Snacks and drinks, and then they bring up the entire kitchen <laughs> and and giant bouquets of flowers yeah. too for every table. <laughs> Give me six. The of only everything. thing missing. What was that? Give me six of everything. <laughs> the only thing missing from that scene was when he escapes. There should have been a shot of him running out, and he grabs some caviar. <laughs> like, yes, because that would have been truly Bond. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, and he was like, ah, north of the Caspian. <laughs> you know? And then he gets, yeah, do, quote, quote Lazenby exactly from Majesties. <laughs> yeah. uh, that would have been the, a truly Bond moment. Okay, so when he flips Womack oh, over so the balcony. Good. You can under when he's under the the haircutting cape and he's doing the Twisting knot around his hands, and Manny goes in for that shake and bam, it's over. It's over, awesome. literally over the balcony. Yeah, <laughs> and the way he's like puts it around the chair and goes, "You hoist him." Right. Uh, and oh my God, my arm was hurting for Womack. Like yes. his shoulder must have popped out of its socket. Well, he shows up later With, in the sling. And I have a note on that. At the end, right. Right as the you know the climactic countdown is happening, Carla grabs Womack right on that side where his yeah. arm's broken. I just wanted to be like, "Lady, do you not see the sling? <laughs> Grab the other side." But yes, watching him dangle over the balcony as he's running out the door, while all of the security detail, who are like, "He's too old to run away." And then he's running away, and they're all no, not one of them goes after him in the elevator until it's far too late. Yeah, they're all trying to pull up. Okay, we can spare one guy. Go run. Yeah. And but instead, they're you know, and and the stylist is just like, oh my god. Well, he's being held hostage at that point. <laughs> yes, but he was like, he was he just put his own spin on it, like not me. <laughs> <laughs> that so, was a great wrong, wrong place, wrong time for him. Yes. Poor guy was just doing his job. Right. Uh, well, and they wouldn't let him even cut with scissors. I, He'll that kill was, you. That was, that was honestly one of the most horrifying moments of that movie. Watching him try to cut long hair with a buzz razor just was like, and the comb. Like, it's up, like, just must have been so much effort for him, like yes. trying to cut through like cement with a, a butter knife. But he knife. came out beautiful. He did. He looked so good. He did. I, w- I don't know why you would take time cutting a whip. Why wouldn't you just go for the... If you only allowed a buzz razor, just go for the... Because he would have ended up buzzing all of his hair off and Sean Connery bald is probably not fabulous. Fair enough. So. Well, I just think you would use like whatever the thickest extension on there is. And, you know. Anyway, it's been a long time since I had to pay for your haircut, so I don't remember. What, I don't remember what it's those been a are. Long time since I paid for my haircut too. <laughs> Me too. Hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, he so he runs. He hits the elevator with stylist man as a hostage. Right. That was such but a not, good and sequence. And not even really as a hostage because he just bails on him in the elevator anyway. Exactly. And he runs out. Once he affirms that he liked his haircut. Right. <laughs> 
We don't get the affirmation, but I'd like to think that because he is a gentleman, ultimately, yeah, he is like, I did. I very much enjoyed the haircut. Right. Keep up the good work. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you when you die. Don't go sticking your wick in some pie. Shango is the god of the sky. Okay. Um, That's our wait, sign off. I don't know what just happened. I just like left the room for a second. Um, he, ma- uh, he makes it down to the street, <laughs> yes, and steals the Humvee. Well, when he get when he's running through the uh, kitchen, that's yes. when we get the music that is basically the pre pirates theme. Yeah, and it's again not the music. When I person. heard it, I instantly identified with Pirates of the Caribbean. Did you? Oh yeah, right away. Like I, yeah. me and Alicia looked at each other like this sounds like the Pirates of the Caribbean. Like this is crazy. Yeah. Pirates of the Kitchen. Pirates <laughs> of the Kitchen bean beans. Right just had a, had a sword fight in the in the kitchen or something. That's what I was waiting for. Uh a couple of knife fights in this movie. Um so then yes, we get that great chase down the San Francisco hills. In the Humvee that is far too new of a vehicle for him to ever have known how to drive. He just jumps in it like like nobody's business. Like, here I go. I'm going to drive this. uses a cell phone. Yes. Like, he doesn't even know what it is. And he he actually executes it perfectly. He was edited pretty well into that sequence. But I wasn't nuts about... I, I disliked the filming and the music and the editing of the chase, but I liked the chase. I like you know I, I, mean? I like I like the, the the only problem I have with the chase was the interior shots because one shot of Connery and Cage you did the Cage too where like they had like like you know Bay tries to do like crazy stuff like sh- sh- shot wise with like sh- camera shakes and the sh- camera shakes way too much where like yes. you're go- you're going mm-hmm. under the dash at one point and you're coming back up and it's too much going on like you can do that kind of like in a more calm way to like show off that you're bouncing on hills and like mm. it just disoriented me and i was kind of like I had, yeah. to, I had to look away for a second time like they showed those like close-up shots of them driving i'm like why why are they doing that and, like, a lot of and it all cuts. happened very fast yeah so you you almost it was it was a little overwhelming mm. i agree yeah. but other than that cool cool car chase and we get and we get to the uh our our, our trolley stunt <laughs> coming up towards yes. the end and as he's as he's ripping into cars that are parked on the side of the road and some guy was like, hey, you hit my car. And he's like, I hope I you're hope, insured. Yeah, I hope you're insured. That's I have that as a line. Yep. Uh, I'm only borrowing your Humvee. Yes. Uh, After he's like, no no scratches, no dings, no dents. No, and vroom, he's gone. <laughs> uh, I have two edits I'd like to do to this scene. The first is um, the uh, bus fight from Shang-Chi. Yeah, I, I, I thought about that, too. I thought about that, too. Could, could be edited into this. And then second, um, the, from the 2003 Hulk film, when he bursts through the ground at the top of the hill and, and smashes and all the hills, all the uh, cars start rolling down the hill. So you could cross both of those together. And when I saw the trolley finally land on its side and continue to slide down the hill, all I could think of was speed. Yes, mm. yeah. with the bus. Yeah, like I was like, "That's is that in San Francisco as well?" No. Speeds in L.A. Yeah, Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, yes, yeah, because yeah, they end up in LAX airfield. Yes, and I believe the reservoir plays a prominent part. I don't know. 
I haven't know. watched but Speed. But that's what I time. saw. Speed's when I saw film. the trolley, I saw the Speed bus. Mm. That's a great film. That I need to great. revisit Love that. Love it. Um, okay, uh, so then we get to, um, oh, another great line, uh, whoa, dude, you just crashed that Lamborghini, it isn't mine, neither is this, and he takes the kid's bike, <laughs> Yeah. and he's like on the phone, he's like, I need you to look up somebody, I- I'm on a kid's bike I stole, yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel really bad about it. <laughs> Did he say that? I think he said that. Didn't he? Like something, something like that. He's like, I don't feel that great about it. <laughs> um, then we see Jade's house on the hill. Cool house. Holy hill, though. Yeah. That hill <laughs> is like a 60-degree angle. Yeah. I, like, I, I thought they were coming in with a Dutch angle or something, but no, like that's just the, how the street is. <laughs> that's like, I wouldn't, I'd never, I couldn't live on, nope. That's like death walking out your front door. <laughs> so, oh my god, it's so dangerous. I, I'm gonna get. And a they came skipping out. Yeah, they skipped out. Like, oh my god, down. They went down. They went too, down. Like asking for trouble. Oh boy, yeah, I'll take a screenshot of that. It's, whew. Um, Claire Forlani is great, and that is the best scene in the movie. I think. Um, I really love the handling of that situation. By good speed, saying that your father is working with us. He kept him human. Yes, very much so. For the sake of the daughter that didn't like him. Yeah. Because he was a criminal. It gave him a bit of redemption to, to be like, well, if my father's helping the FBI, he must not be a bad person. Right. Yeah. And to and for her to not think that he had actually broken out of prison again. Yeah. Even though all those cop cars show up. Right. But still, yeah. he. Goodspeed kept him human mm. for her sake. And that's when you see the softer side of Connery. Like, you didn't have to do that, you know? Yeah. So. That was, a, that was the best scene in the movie for me. In uh, a beautiful location, too. Mm. Those fountains and whatnot. Those, that was gorgeous. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, of course, the implication of Connery at a Zeppelin concert. Yes. Makes the whole thing even better. <laughs> <laughs> with the pump and dump in the bathroom exactly and i think that i think that the daughter said that as a dig to him yeah. like you're a shitty piece of shit and you were never my father obviously because this is how i was created and also he so he was he escaped from alcatraz in 63 zeppelin didn't come into formation until 69 so this is after he's escaped from prison so so he was on the run Okay, so that doesn't line up. That's a continuity error because when they're in the cells later, Cage said, what kept you sane in here? And he said, the hope that I'd... Oh, wait a second, never mind. What kept you sane locked up for 30 years? Never mind, because he was locked up. It's okay. So he... Wait a second. Wait, no, but he... he... So he... The timelines don't line up. So he... Timelines don't line up. He broke he... out in 63? Oh, no. Yeah. Yep, and and then, okay, if this movie takes place in 96, that means he would have had to have been locked up in 66. Zeppelin didn't come into formation until 69. And nobody, and I guarantee he wasn't going to a Zeppelin concert in 69. It would have had to have been like 72 or 73. Especially given that the age that the daughter is. She's not in her 30s. No, she looks pretty young. She's maybe like 25. Yeah. So... Time the timelines are skewed in this a little so, bit, but that's okay. But it's still the point of it was Goodspeed making Mason human yeah. to his 
daughter that wanted nothing to do with him. Yeah. So maybe get him on her good side just a little bit if he can fix that relationship. Again, speaking from a woman and mother standpoint, no, can I help you fix this relationship? Let me <laughs> let me be the good person. Exactly. This is that is the heart mm. of the film yeah. for sure. Is is just nobody is giving this man. Nobody gave him a trial. Right. And. Nicholas Cage is like, I give him my word. Let's just stick to that. Absolutely. You know, like at the very least. Absolutely. My word. I agree. Um, and then uh, the final line from this before we get into the next section, I think. Uh, uh, got you between, you got me between the rock and a hard case. And, That's and, when Womack, and, I have that too. Yeah, Womack, and Connery says, how's your bowling arm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Womack uh, said he didn't want Mason going to the rock with all the other people. Yeah. And he's like, now, Womack, you're between the rock and a hard case. How's your bowling arm? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Same. Again, another reason I liked it, because he took something kind of ominous and made it funny. Right. And taking somebody down a peg, too. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Okay. The team successfully infiltrates Alcatraz, but Hummel's men are alerted to their presence and ambush them in the shower room, the Chamber of Secrets entrance. (laughs) Anderson and all of the SEALs are killed, leaving only Mason and Goodspeed alive. Goodspeed wants to finish the mission and attempts to strong-arm Mason into helping. Mason, seeing his chance to escape custody, disarms Goodspeed, but changes his mind about helping Goodspeed when the Marines having found the weapons and radio missing from Anderson's second-in-command, start using bombs to ferret out the survivors. Um, I think I'll just read another one. Mason and Goodspeed eliminate several teams of Marines and disable 12 of the 15 rockets by removing their guidance chips. Hummel threatens to execute a hostage if they do not surrender and return the chips. Mason destroys them before surrendering to Hummel to try reasoning with him and stall for time. Goodspeed disables another rocket, but then gets captured. With the incursion team lost, the backup plan is initiated. An airstrike by FA-18Cs with thermite plasma, which will neutralize the poison gas, but also kill everyone on the island. Okay. So, I think that pretty much covers all of the infiltration of the, of the rock itself. So, I think we can, we can get in. We can pretty much cover anything from there. Um... Uh, Anderson, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Reese, Michael Bean, uh, says, um, is explaining, uh, you need, really need to stick by this person. Everything you do, they, they do, you do, uh, you piss, he helps. Understood? And I just wanted one person to be like, no, what does that mean? (laughs) How is he going to help me piss? Is he going to touch me? Is he going to shake it for me? Um... Also, I do have a note here. Is this the f- only? Is this the first slash only time that Connery has ever worked with a Coppola? I wouldn't know. Because Nick Cage is a Coppola. Huh. And is this the only film that? Because uh, uh, Alicia mentioned that she thinks that he they did another film together. Nicholas Cage and Connery. And Connery, give it a gooks. Go I don't it. think so. I liked it might be that a... Mason, after all of these years, 30 plus years, whatever, the timeline is skewed, but 30-ish yes. years, that after all that time, 
you know, when, when they're like going over the blueprint, he's like, I've got the blueprint in my head. Mm-hmm. And he literally remembers the number of paces it takes to get from one area to the next. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, damn, all those brain cells still intact. Right. <laughs> like you would think that maybe having been alone in a cell for learning all, those all just, these new things that he would have maybe gone a little bit crazy yeah, or just, softer, just enough. I don't know. He was avoiding being gang raped. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so, you know. But would le- he have, less of that recently, sex appeal. Because <laughs> of his sex appeal. Would he have maybe, you know, lost a few brain cells just out of boredom uh, behaviors by other uh, cell, not cell mates necessarily, but anybody that he did, any other inmates in general. How is it that he remembered it was 57 paces from one location to the next? Mm. Like, he... Everything was fresh and sharp as if he had just done this two weeks ago, not 30 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. I like that as well. I like even so much so that he remembered the amount of times that you needed to roll through a fucking right. furnace. And he's laying there and he's counting. Exactly. He's, yeah, you see him he's, counting. He's, he's watching and watching and all of a sudden he starts rolling and then he just kind of disappears and you're like, what? And they're all like, yeah, he's dead. He's going to be dead. And he just opens the door like. Welcome to the rock. Yeah, my note on that was flame roll. Holy fuck! <laughs> flame roll. <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite parts of the whole film. Mm. Um, did you see? Did, are they in anything else together? No, I'm not seeing anything. So maybe it was mm. like a, it might have been a documentary or something. But I'm not seeing it anywhere here. Um, but yeah, so the only note I got from there that you mentioned that last paragraph definitely that. That shootout in the shower room is was intense. That was like yes, that was quite bloody. Did anybody pick up on the actual blood splatters that landed on the camera glass? Yes, I thought that was so. Yeah, cool. right. I love when yeah. stuff like scary that but cool. I love when stuff like that happens, and also I really love how the, that gunfight and the the there's another one towards the end, but they're just really reliant on people having a conversation. If everyone just talked things out, but everyone's just got guns in the situation. Right. And like, and Hummel even says, cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. I don't and want anyone dying Nobody here. is listening to him yeah. at all. And that's when you know things are starting to come unglued. Yeah. That was a, a good sequence. And yeah. uh, I wrote, uh, uh, no, not Bean. <laughs> um, uh, oh, uh, when they all drop into the water. We can cut that with um, both Thunderball and Never Say Never Again. Mm. Because it's pretty much the same setup of, of, you know, dudes using those little machines to guide themselves through the water. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, again, I dislike the score in this part. Uh, just, I just I keep writing it when I don't like it. Um, avoiding... Uh, in the washrooms, maybe losing a sex appeal. I've got a bad feeling about this. One of the men says, I've got a bad feeling about this, and then I just want to cut to every time in Star Wars when it says that. <laughs> or or Han going, ah, it's just your imagination. There's a couple of Star Wars cuts that I've got to do with this movie. Because you can tell Michael, Be- Michael Bay was in- uh, influenced heavily by Star Wars. Um... Uh, Womack says uh, something about the alien landing at Roswell. So that's one of the things that's on the microfilm. Yeah. Is So we were visited by aliens in this universe. James Bond meets the aliens. Maybe, or maybe that is a result of it. Like if we if the world doesn't get a James Bond, then we get aliens. 
Maybe the aliens are envious and they're like, how do we get a James Bond on our planet? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> we got, and that was, that's why they we locked. We got to check it out. That's why they locked John Mason away so the aliens don't take him. That's right. If he gets out, the aliens might catch him. That's right. Um, big gunfights still bore me. Uh, we mentioned in a previous episode that I don't really care for big gunfights. Just like a lot of people fighting with guns. It just bores me. So what I struggle with, again, as a woman and not really caring about these kind of action films, why is it that the quote unquote bad guys who are supposed to be super hyper trained in all of this, they miss every shot. They n- <laughs> Nicholas Cage is a nerdy, geeky guy. Well, he's who, our main character. He's got plot armor. I understand that. I'll be right but, back. I've got a Connor P. You guys, can, you continue. Okay. Continue. He, when he goes running, you know, the there's the one guy left who should be like sniper level, and Nick Cage just does a quick dive and he's out of the way and doesn't get hit. And there, he's hitting everything around him except him. And I'm like. All of those movies that do that kind of stuff are just not believable for me. So it's, sometimes it, it, I struggle speak, with that. Speaking of Star Wars, it's, it's stormtrooper <laughs> logic where like these guys can't hit a thing, and like this right. young farm boy is as easily like <laughs> dodging these guys, <laughs> and these are like the elites <laughs> that the Empire have hired to protect their Death Star, <laughs> and this kid right. is just is just shooting through it. Yeah, it's super easy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with that. With like, yeah, like, I mean, I. I I do like big action movies and stuff like that, but like definitely gunfights like this, especially when you're in a closed area, it's very dark. You can't yeah. make out what's happening. So when you see someone get shot, how many times did like you know my wife say like, "Oh my god, was that Nicholas Cage? Did he go down?" Like, like no, right. it was just it was just who, like who is who? The camera's flashing back and forth between so many different people, and you're like, "Wait, is that Hummel's guys? Is that?" Our guys, like who, whose team is that? <laughs> like, yeah, you have no you idea. Know, the only th- the only thing that differentiated them was Hummel's team was in green camo, and Mason and Goodspeed and all those guys were in black. So, but it was dark in there. So unless you were like hitting pause every three seconds, you can't really tell who's who. Yeah, and the and, color grading and, didn't really help. And then all of a sudden, there's just a bunch of dead people on the floor mm. and blood everywhere. Mm. Uh, yeah, the only distinction really is that Hummel's guys are up, and, right? And, and the team is down, right? But did you notice where Hummel actually is when he's up there? Once the fighting starts, he sits down on the floor mm-hmm. and, lets, oh. and lets his whole team. Yeah. He puts his whole team at risk for someone who's trying he to make. Have a gun in that scene, though. No, he doesn't. But he doesn't. He d- doesn't run away. He just drops down and sits on the floor, and you're like. Are you protecting your men? Like, are you? And they make a good point later. Uh, once we took hostages, we became mercenaries, and mercenaries right. get paid. So they're not yeah. even his men anymore. Right. And, um, <clears throat> I really like when Connery takes Nick Cage's gun after that whole shootout when they're running when. Mason's running away, and he's like, "I'm getting out of here." Right. And and Nick Cage, uh, Goodspeed draws the gun on him, and Connery just takes it real quick. Besides, the safety's on. Yeah. Boom, done. Takes it. Well, and, 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 holds and, it he, on. and he yeah. and he makes him flip it up in his face yeah. when he does that. Like, look, your safety's not on, but in the meantime, I've got you. Yeah. And I've got the gun. Um. 
Sorry, I was just making sure it didn't when you hit the microphone. It's all good. Sorry. Um, no, it's good. I was just making sure it didn't lose signal. Bam. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and then Cage goes, oh, he's got both guns now, sir. <laughs> or, oh, he's got all the guns He's now. got all the guns. <laughs> and he, you knew that he sort of felt defeated, but I think he maybe also felt like, even though he had all the guns, he still wasn't going to leave him behind. Yeah. Like, he knew. He's like, I'm outnumbered in guns by this criminal but i have a feeling he's not going to leave me here to fend for myself yeah and he even says well as soon as he says that there's chemical weapons connery's like well why didn't you tell me and then my next one is it was classified <laughs> so i'm gonna punch that in you could have told my daughter it was classified i like that kind of back and forth there's many opportunities where connery has the opportunity to just dip yeah. And he does. He takes he the tries opportunity. He tries to. Twice. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, when the bombs start dropping, when they're in the water, the, because they're in the water, like, up to knee deep, they have to skip awkwardly through the water. <laughs> so that was funny to yes. watch. Yes. Um, yeah, play some, like, Swan Lake or something in the background there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also uh, can cross-cut that with No Time to Die. Yes. With the ed- ending of No Time to when the video starts and the bombs, the grenades fall. Yeah. And right there, cross that. Anyway. Um, uh, the, again, the, but again, the the shooting and the editing is really poor in those sequences when it's the bombs falling into the sewer there. And mm. uh, maybe it was just me. I think with it being so dark throughout the whole space it's hard to see who's who and what exactly mm. is happening because it's just so dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it was Cage and Connery in the right. sewers, but I think it was just, it was constantly changing the way that it was being shot. There was like, they couldn't decide on a way to film it yeah. and they just do everything. Yeah. And it edited together really poorly. Um, like, like if I was recording a song and I record... Like, okay, we'll record it with a bunch of different microphones and then cobble it together. It's going to sound weird. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, the knife throw cam. When Connery throws the knife at that dude's jugular, yes. we get the point of view of the knife. Never hesitate. That was really good. Yeah. Um, and then shooting the dude in the feet. <gasps> Holy cow. That was awesome. And uh, also, and he's kind of doing the kiver when he lands. Yes, Uh, when you when he hits the ground, if you listen close, they pitch down his scream. So he's like ah, and then he hits the ground. He goes oh. (laughs) Um. Uh, and then because he has a grenade, Connery shoots the AC unit above him, and that goon gets the Alex Trevelyan death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Goodspeed is like, um, I'll, you know, the whole you've seen more dead people than me. Like, is do they do they do they do the foot thing? <laughs> yep, yep. They do. You, do you want me to kill him again? <laughs> that was good. I wrote that line as well. <laughs> um, and then the uh, that guy's um, walkie-talkie starts going off. Oh He's yeah. Like, come in, come in, Commander, come in. And I wanted Connery to pick it up and goes, uh, we've had a gas leak down here. Very serious. Uh, no, we're locking it down now. Uh, very, we're okay here. How are you? <laughs> Again, another Star Wars reference. 
Blackbird 1. Blackbird 1. Blackbird 1, this is Blackbird. Come in, goddammit. Uh, uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, it had a slight weapons malfunction, but, uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? All right, I'm on my second page of notes here. Uh, the minecart, just awesome. Yes. Um... And then it was at the moment when he lights John C. McGinley's feet on fire. A lot yes. of foot damage in this movie. And that's like right. the op. So you know what? Okay. A uh, uh, quick note here in the production um, paragraphs here. Quentin Tarantino was an uncredited cr- screenwriter on this film. Really? Why is there? Why is there so much damage to people's feet? <laughs> if maybe 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 that's why he was uncredited. Like I don't like what that Tarantino kid. Was writing it. Everyone's walking around barefoot in this movie. Take out, take out all the stuff of his that is weird about feet. Fact, you know what? Write some parts where where we we damage people's feet. Shoot the feet and set them on fire. <laughs> and that's why you know everything Tarantino went on to direct is just like close-ups of women's feet. And he lights him on fire with the waterproof matches that he, they mentioned earlier in the film. Like yep. he gets three things: the gun, Bond moment. The waterproof yep. matches and something else. And you know that that's what he's... Oh, the squeeze bottle yeah. of something. And so that's what he does. He squeeze bottles, whatever it is he's yep. got, and then he lights them on fire. And you're just like, yes, that's why we had to know way back when what he had. And you say Bond moment. Yeah. It's I you, literally you, you, wrote... You show the gadget. You got to use it eventually. Exactly. And this is right after Minecart. I wrote, is he 007? Mm. Because he's using his gadgets... To give people a good comeuppance. Yep. Lights his feet on fire. <laughs> Dr. Cox with hot feet. <laughs> the floor's on fire. <laughs> the floor is lava. <laughs> I just felt like all of that was just sheer Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah. In in the in the mine. Yes. Like that's what it was. It, nothing it was, nothing but. If it was color graded to be more like orange sepia tone rather than dark blue, yes. then it would be Indiana Jones. Right. But yeah, we could totally put the both the 007 theme and the Indiana Jones theme over that yeah. scene. Hell yeah. Um, uh, and the car chase would also make a good Lego set. Make it so, Dylan. I will make it so. I'll use. I'll I, ju- I just watched uh, "Live and Let Die" yesterday afternoon, just for fun. And I, oh, when I got when it. I got to the crocodile scene, I thought of you with that Lego oh, set. I want that to be a real thing. Me too. Me too, man. I um, I think they're having a contest to make a kit. It might be over though. Um. Uh. Again, the editing is bad. I could barely tell that Tuco died. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I do really like the ending to that scene. Uh, I'd rather have been a poet or a farmer. Right. When, after he shoots Tuco. Uh, it's Tuco. It is Tuco. Um, when he stands up, the look on his face, it's almost as if, like, he's just finally realizing that he can be a complete badass. I'm a bio-weapon guy. Like, now I'm killing people. I'm a ba- I'm a badass. But, but I like, think it was less so that in his first. In the, I think it was more like, holy shit, I've killed a person now. But it was when he stands up and you look at his face. It's the look on his face that it snapped for him. Like his this is, is who I am now. Yeah. This He's is got this life. is what I'm capable of doing. Mm. I I'm a nerd. I I'm a nerd. But look at what I just did. 
you know, he he takes on, I think his his thinking flips mm-hmm. to like, okay, I, I'm supposed to do whatever I absolutely have to do to save the people of San Francisco. That, step one, now let's go. Yeah. And I think he, his, he has a mindset change and he realizes he can be the badass. Mm. And when he when he's down on the ground with the flares up, you know, looking up at the heavens, he knows he's a badass like and that he's taking platoon. care of. Him. He becomes a different person because of this. Mm. My two cents. No, you're correct. <laughs> you are correct. It's just I saw that look on his face after he like finally got out of the cart and had killed Tuco. It is a film about people transforming. The three Absolutely. main characters transforming because. Yep. It goes, it's Ed Harris going from what he views to be honorable to yes. doing something dishonorable. Right. Connery getting a chance at a redemption. Yeah. Uh, and then Cage becoming a new man and a father. Right. Um, good stuff. I'm with you on that. Good stuff. Um, what about Mr. Henderson's head? Thumbs up. <sighs> Poor Mr. Henderson. <laughs> Everyone survives. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but... I really like the thumbs up. That was a good comedy beat. And then the music sting at the same time. That was really good. Um, Connery and Harris together. Heart. What a great scene. Mm. Two acting legends just delivering great. When, when, he, he when comes Mason down comes stairs, down the yes. stairs. Yes, that Who the scene fuck are you? Yeah. yeah. Just the two of them. And, and especially the line I wrote down. Uh, Patriotism is the virtue of the vicious according to Oscar Wilde, and then Harris just bashes Connery in the back of the head and he goes, thank you for proving my point. Right. Um, uh, Also, on that, Michael Bay completely missed this point that patriotism is the virtue of the vicious. Either Michael Bay completely missed that point or he completely realized it and went, I am vicious. I am Michael Bay. Because all of Michael Bay's films are like the most American thing you've ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he, all of his films are subsidized, no, not uh, not all of them, but, you know, the ones where he has the military, they're subsidized by the military so that he can use all their stuff. So, anyway. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Bay's films, but I also haven't watched all of them critically in a long time. So. Well, I always, you know, we, everyone always goes to the Transformers films and how mm. much of a mess those were. Like, first one's okay, in my opinion, but, like, it still was Michael Bay at his worst, I guess. Bayest. His bayest. And then it just went downhill from there. <laughs> uh, even a new one, like, the new ones look great. They're, uh, like, the Beast Wars. But I think, I think he's, like, producing. He's a little more behind the scenes with that and directing. Uh, but I'm just like, don't touch those stories anymore, man. It's yeah. just like, you know, like don't don't ruin my childhood more than you already did. <laughs> I heard ambulance was okay. Oh yeah, I heard some okay things about ambulance. Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's just like, I mean, this, I mean, this for a Michael Bay this film was really good. Like, I was like re- really surprised when I first saw Michael Bay's name in the credits. I was like, oh no, like, I'm like this can't be that bad. People love this film. People like talk about this film. It's good. I think I think the the Rotten Tomato score is the audience score is higher than the uh, Tomato Meter. It's uh, at a six seven percent for Tomato Meter, eighty five for audience. So like, this is a mm. a beloved film for sure. And I haven't seen a negative review. It's it's a good one. I haven't seen Armageddon since I was a child. 
Oh, yeah. Do you remember Armageddon being good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can stay awake just to hear <laughs> you breathe in. <laughs> Mario serenades me a lot on this podcast. Okay. He broke out a great Davy Jones a little while back. Um, uh, hey, sweetie. Somebody drops down. It says to Nicolas Cage, hey, sweetie. That, that's funny. I don't know. Yeah, he's one of the last... Yeah. Bad guys. Um, and while they're chasing him down, um, he, Cage is leaning against a shoddy wooden wall, and we get the Batman pull through the wall. Yep. Arms burst through and yank him through like yep. Batman. Um, and then the scene where Connery and Cage are in separate prison cells. They're in the same hall that everybody else was being held hostage in. I didn't get that. Yeah. And I don't think they were. They were, though. But when you, when you see them walk down the stairs, they're in the same hall that everybody else is being held hostage in. But nobody's in any of the cells. And nobody's watching these cells. You just captured these dudes, and you know that they're the last two that are left. Why are you not watching them? And we never, right? and we never really see them, like, they just mention... Like, are all the hostages yeah. safe? Like, yes, every single yeah. one of them. Every, everyone's alive. Yeah. We never see them because we had that look. We never, we never see them get off the island. No, nope, we never yeah. see them freed. They, they no. should have, that should have been like, once you whittled those dudes down to like four dudes, then release all the hostages and say, we need your help. Well, would you want to see, you know, however many people were on that tour walking around with shit in their pants? Because they were in there for 56 hours. <laughs> there were toilets. There were toilets. You just, um, whether they flushed or not is a different story. <laughs> And and they they put Ranger Bob in one of the cells too. Right. So. Ranger Bob. I, Ranger I, Bob. I made a note about Ranger Bob because what's the Plays Ranger Bob? Yeah, see the act. Okay, that was my note. Is I forget, I couldn't find the actor's name, but like that guy plays the same character in everything he's ever in. I'm like, of course yes. he's in this. Ranger Bob. Ranger Bob is the worst. Raymond O'Connor. Raymond O'Connor. Feel like he's been like in a handful of like Sandler movies or something. He's in Hal- excuse me, Halloween 4 as the security guard. Okay, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yeah, first time here, huh? Hope it's the last time. You never get used to the faces. Never. Jesus. Jesus ain't got nothing to do with this place. Yeah, this is where society dumps its worst nightmares. Yep. He's always the goofy uh, security guard or, like, goofy bus driver or whatever. Jesus ain't got nothing to do with this place. <laughs> Yeah, Halloween 4. I love him in Halloween 4. Um, Pirates with a Y. He he's in a he's in the Mel Brooks film Life Stinks as Yo. Yo. <laughs> um I have not seen any other films. Oh, he's in LA Noir. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember interrogating him. Actually, I think is he a cop? I forget. I I know he's a. That's a great game. Shout he's out to LA Noir. I haven't played it, but I know I've heard good things. Oh, it's so but good. I've also heard a lot of bad things. He's I see a, Seinfeld on the list. Yeah, he's the night doorman in episode six seventeen oh, of is. Seinfeld. He is. Oh my god. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's on a show called Providence. I wait. I used to watch that. Huh. It's a medical show. St- starring Odd Enough, the guy from MASH, who played B.J. Honeycutt as a doctor, but not as his MASH, 
character, not as BJ Honeycutt in current day. Was yeah. it produced in Providence? Yep. Oh, well, look at that. Yep. They canceled it before they finished it. Huh. I used to watch it. Okay. Yeah, so this guy's in, he plays that role a lot. I can, it looks like sleazy salesman in Careful What You Wish For. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stuts. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So that is Ranger Bob. Raymond O'Connor as Ranger Bob. Um, okay. What else do we have? Um, I going back to before all of Hummel's team is basically killed. Um, the way they all start to kind of turn on him. That was beautiful. And they're all just kind of like, we're losing our shit over here, and you're not behaving, and we're just going to take over now. Um, uh, I, th- I thought that that was really interesting, that when, as soon as he sets off that one rocket that heads for the stadium, mm. the one that still has a microchip in it, and then at the last second, he changes the coordinates so it yeah. flies on by and into the bay... That's the Michael when, Bay. The Michael Bay. You know, his team is just like, we've had enough of you. Yeah. We're we're taking over. You're now you're just messing with us. Well, let's build up to that plot wise. We've got uh two more paragraphs here that cover that. So Mason and Goodspeed a little bit Mason and Goodspeed escape and Mason explains why he, why he was held prisoner. Uh, as a former S- British SAS captain and MI6 operative, he was captured after stealing a microfilm containing details of the U.S.'s most closely guarded secrets, knowing that he would be suicided. Trigger word, sorry. Um, that's, the use- that's the word they use in the film. Yes. Uh, if he returned, basically they would kill him and make it look like he took his own life. Uh, he spent the last 30 years in prison without trial for refusing to hand it over. When Hummel's deadline for the ransom passes... He is urged by his men to fire a rocket. Although he does, he redirects it to detonate at, detonate at sea. Excuse me. When confronted by Darrow and Fry, Hummel explains that the rocket threat was an elaborate bluff as he had never intended to harm innocent civilians. He declares the mission over and orders them to exit Alcatraz with some hostages and the remaining rocket to cover their retreat while he assumes blame. Darrow and Fry... Realizing that they will not be paid their $1 million apiece, mutiny against him. They declare themselves mercenaries, and a firefight ensues. Baxter is killed defending Hummel, who... K.S. mortally wounded? What? Got a typo here. Oh, who is mortally wounded. Yes, okay. The, The latter manages to tell Goodspeed where the last rocket is before dying. So yes, that conflict there... Hummel sets off a rocket, and it's headed towards a stadium full of people, and at the last second he diverts it to crash into the sea. Because, as Connery said, he saw it in Hummel's eyes. He's not a killer. He's not that person. No. Um, And yes, as you were saying, that whole unraveling of all the tension that had They're been starting to up, implode. Yeah. I really liked that. Just... David Morse, uh, David Morse Hart, he's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that whole scene of uh, just tense as hell. 
Yeah. And you're just waiting for somebody to, to make a move. It's really good. Um, Very tense scene. Mm. Uh, though, I do have uh, some notes about, I think it is either Darrow or Fry. Hold on. I must, I must look so I can be sure. I can comment. Do on, it. Do it up. Um, when uh, Mason, when Mason and Goodspeed, um, they separate. Goodspeed, when he goes down the stairs and talks to Hummel, and he's giving Goodspeed time to go find the other rocket, and he's like, "No, no, I'm the only one left." While Goodspeed goes off and does his thing, he, and then he ends up making his way back to Goodspeed, who's got a gun to his head at this point. And he's like, you know, how, what do you want, plastic or glass? Yes. Plastic or glass. How do you want your body to be carried out of here? Right. Yeah. And then Mason comes up behind him, snaps, snaps his, his neck, neck, and drops him. Have a great day at work. And he looks at Goodspeed and said, I didn't want your kid growing up without a father. And that, I think that's a nod back to, hey, I fucked up with my daughter. I don't want to see the same thing happen to you. So mm. be here. I just saved your life so you can be here for that kid. Mm. And that I also wrote neck, Connery neck snap heart. That was a great moment. Yeah. That yeah. was a really great moment. But, you know, I, I think it was the life parallel of, you know, Goodspeed's not a criminal, but he's still about to become a father. And mm. Mason was a criminal. And he is a father, and he knows he screwed that up, as noted in the tender moment in the that palace and of the arts good, or whatever. And it was that called. good speed gave him a chance, so right. And give he's him like, a chance. I, and he was ready to bolt. He was running. He was gone. Yeah. And then he turns around, sees good speed on his knees with a gun to his head. I did really like, like, talk, talk louder, will you? I gotta fix that. So he goes back. I didn't want. I didn't want your kid growing up without a father. Mm. I thought that was very insightful. That was a very good part. I also really liked how that scene cuts right to him just going, oh, no, and he's got a gun behind him. Yeah. Like, just direct he, on, yeah, on he his knew. face. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, All while keeping that one green ball tucked in his flak jacket. Okay, I have a note on that. Why the fuck would he just put it in his shirt pocket? It could get crushed at any point in time. Yeah, I really like terrifying. how he... I really like yes. how he uses it. Well, and he's doing a lot of diving and rolling and getting away. And I'm like, it's going to bust. It's just going to, he's, okay. Yeah. And, but of it's course he can't because he's the hero. Plot armor. And the way he uses it is really good. And I, so let's talk about how he uses that. Um, uh, so the, the the ball in question are, are from the green anal beads that are in the missiles. <laughs> the string of pearls. The green yes. anal beads yes. that, that that well, like six sets of them that are in each missile. Which, um, by the way, uh, w- we saw him dismantle so many of those. I could do it now because, like, yeah, right. <laughs> you see him pull it out, get the chip out. It's like Jesus Christ! Like they showed yeah. they showed yeah. us doing every single one. It's like crazy. It's the getting them back in that really seems like it would. <laughs> well, be and then when he puts that last set into that grate, I'm like. He's gonna like clank them together, and they're just gonna yeah like and the, a part of the <laughs> they they do actually shoot part of the building like well it's the thermite so it's not gonna blow up the gas but anyway 
Uh, still, yeah, very tense. Very tense. Yeah, I, th- yes, I thought I thought that was gonna come back like that same scene, putting it under the floorboard. I'm like, is that gonna set up something? Is like, I'm thinking maybe yeah. they're gonna have some guys up there and they like shoot the lighthouse or something and it blows Ooh, up. Yeah. But it's just there. So now <laughs> some poor se- some poor security guards gonna be up there. Some guys gonna be cleaning the lighthouse. <laughs> Ranger Bob. <laughs> Ranger Bob is up there. That- hey, what are these anal beads? <laughs> That should be the end. Let's, Take him home, put him up his play. ass. <laughs> and that sets up the sequel. <laughs> Doc, I put these anal beads in me, and then my, my butthole started to dissolve. I don't understand. Bubbled up and dissolved. Uh, okay. Thankfully, I've got a spare, so I just popped that one in and drove over here to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> Um, they were such a pretty shade of green. Yeah, right? <laughs> They're very attractive beads, that's for sure. They're very attractive beads. Mm, it seems like they'd be expensive at the sex shop, though. Oh, yes. Especially for six sets of them. Oh, yeah. Which are, we just use the same six sets for each missile. <laughs> couldn't couldn't stretch the budget any further than, <laughs> than these beads would stretch a butt. Anyway, all right, we're done. Um, so the guy that he uses the anal bead against... <laughs> <laughs> is I'm gonna share a, sh- a screenshot with you. This is an actor named Gregory Sporletter, also in Shawshank Redemption. Yes, um, and I- I'll have to do some research to make sure. You know what? Hold on. Let me just check. Let me just check. Verify here. Real quick. Okay. Career. Early life. Career. No controversy. Okay. Awesome. No controversy, so I can say this now. Um, I started just calling this guy Pedo Eyes. Oh, I can't see it. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy was creepy. Yes. So it's probably no fault of his own, but I'm, I've am i started calling him Pedo Eyes all through my notes. Um, so uh, one of the things Pedo Eyes says is when he's going to, up to the roof, he says, Weapon is hot. And then I wanted him to go, ow, my fingers. <laughs> uh, then uh, why, okay, uh, after all the chips have been destroyed and the only missile left. Uh, so, okay, I do love the rocket. So not all the chips were destroyed. He saved the one and that's what got him, that's what got Fry. That's what got his attention. Yes, was he when he tossed the one chip out, which had not yet been destroyed. But okay, uh, okay. So in one of the missiles that had the chip destroyed, uh, that's the one the the Rocket Man kill. Yes, uh, I really. Yes, we like have that. to go back to the Rocket Man. That's how All Tony right. Todd is killed. Um, I Tony Todd also, by the way. I don't like that soft ass shit. <laughs> That is, um, let me just make sure I'm correct. Tony Todd is Candyman. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, wow, he looks old. Candyman who? In, in the Candyman film. The horror movie? Never saw it. Um, I also have never seen it, but he, he is the, the villain. Okay. Um, I can see that. And... Oh, he's gonna be—he's gonna be voicing Venom in the Spider-Man Two game. Oh, what? Out. Really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, he hell yeah! Platoon. He was in the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Um. Yeah. 
And then the Candyman films. Final Destination 1 and 2. Quite a, and 3. Oh, quite a few horror pictures, huh? Yeah, he, he seems like he's, a, oh, and he's in Revenge of the Fallen, Transformers. Oh, yeah, he plays the, the actual, the, the Fallen. The Fallen, yeah. yeah. Huh. Alrighty. Um, and he plays Dark Side. The voice is Dark Side too. Wow. Anyway, um, so yeah, he gets shot with the rocket. Yes. He doesn't like that soft ass shit. I don't like that soft. Do you ass like shit. Rocket Man by Elton John? Well, it's you. You're the Rocket Man. <laughs> that was good, though. Flip, flip. Though Go it on. emphasizes his nerdiness because he's explaining the joke. Yes. <laughs> right. it, he's very uh, he's very Spider-Man, you know, just very right? <laughs> very quippy, but like kind of like like Tom Holland quippy where he's like, yeah, remember that movie Empire Strikes Back? Well, let's, you know, the old ass movie, let's take down Ant-Man and all that. So Ma- making your base a prison, let's lock it in. <laughs> so as he's flipping the switch to set the rocket off to send him out the window which is great and onto the pole oh so good oh, oh my god I love that kill oh man oh, he took, he took so, a razzle so, bump so just think about it the whole time he's standing there with the whole container of the string of, of pearls yeah. yes he's literally got them all in his hand and then he like he has to like switch just so he can flip that that yeah. launch switch and I'm just like wouldn't the like heat or whatever from the rocket, which is literally Melts six those, feet in yeah. front of him, wouldn't that set all, like something's got to give yeah. here? But yes, like hit him in the gut, sent him out the window, and impaled by the and fucking spiky pole. Oh, so good! So I really good. thought and it and, was good. And he does, and he, like, he groans at the end. <laughs> I thought I was gonna take him out. I thought I was gonna be like. <laughs> Wiley Coyote. He was flying the whole way. Like he was yes. gonna be stuck and then like go into the water or something. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a bond moment. And then also right it there. cuts to it. What was it? It could have been a bond moment too. He's just kind of like, oh, and he's still going. And at the end, the end credit scene, it's like they're on like they're on a raft making out, whatever, like hit, like, like okay, he's his still wife. flying. <laughs> he's like he's like knickknack at the end of Golden Gun. <laughs> I'm still up here. I can hear you down there. God, uh, uh, and it explodes into fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and fireworks. It, cuts, it cuts down to Connery and, and Nick Cage are making out on a raft. <laughs> They're making out, <laughs> and it's nighttime all of a sudden. <laughs> uh. That would change the whole score, of- <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and that's when you get. And that, that's when you get the. <laughs> And that's where you get the, the audio of Bernard Lee saying, come in, 007. And he's like, what are you doing over there? It's like, oh, keeping and a British end-up shot. They pass it to the bird. <laughs> oh, really, 007? <laughs> <laughs> and then they play the the, the fanfare, the you know, spy who loved me. <laughs> Nobody does it better. <laughs> Oh, so good. Okay, so Rocket Man has made it out of the window and onto the pole. We uh, have to assume that he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> he's for sure dead. And I'm I'm guessing he probably gets hit by the thermite charges that get shot later. <laughs> yes. <later. laughs> he's thoroughly blown up. He's still alive. So at that point so at that point, Stanley disassembles the string of pearls from the rocket 
and he gets that one that rolls away. Yeah, that was tense. That was very tense. And he pretty much like kind of dropped the rest of them to go get the yeah. one. And I'm like, one of these is gonna give. Yeah. One of these I is gonna give. I was hoping that that would resolve. It rolls off the edge and hits the dude that's down below. <laughs> and that's how that guy gets taken out completely yes. completely by accident. Right. Um, but yeah, holy shit, when he puts it in Pedo Eye's mouth. Yes. Um, that was brutal. And he's like, fucking spraying everywhere yeah. oh. you can and, you can just hear his insides melting and then because cage definitely got some on him he has to stab himself in the chest oh right. my god that was so did tense. that seem really low to you like i feel yeah. like he should have been up about three inches he was way too low yeah and then when they do the aerial shot and he's just laying there with his arms out i'm like Jesus Christ, is that you? <laughs> like... Yes, I wrote that. I wrote that. Um, and NC Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he set. He yeah, sells I... that man like just the just the physical acting of him, like kind of twitching, and like yes. on his side. Like Nick Nick Cage always oversells, but I love it. It's the best. <laughs> well, I'm always buying. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the Jesus pose was hilarious. Yes, that Pete, was Pedo eyes ball death. But he got enough atropine and adrenaline going mm. that he was able to light the flares. Mm. That was the most important part. One minute he's part. laying there like Jesus Christ, next minute he's pulling flares out of his pockets. And I'm really glad that they brought back that line of dialogue saying, we see the green flares, it's like, because I didn't remember that at all. I did. <laughs> I completely forgot that as a plot point. Like, all the action that was happening. That was like, like, that was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, Luke, use the green flares. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that... When the fighter pilots shoot the thermite, one of them accidentally fires. <laughs> like a thermite. It, di- it didn't go in. It just impacted on the surface. <laughs> right, right, because they're all saying abort, abort, abort. Yeah. And it's literally down to the last one second. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, I already did it. <laughs> I did like that but, they did that because I feel like it would have been bullshit if like, all of a sudden they're like, oh, green flame. And hit the brakes. Like, I'm glad they still yeah. kind of launched it. So like they made it so it's like, oh yeah, he still did it. So you have that tense scene of like, oh shit, they just they, they still died after all this. But it's like, no, we just hit the side of the building. We're good. They're still it alive. Cuts to the, it cuts back to the telescope on the ground where they confirm that it's the green flares. And it's cut. They cut back, and it's right as the guy looks away. He's like. Steve, I gotta take a piss. Can you watch this for me? <laughs> they just swap out. <laughs> Boom! Oh my god, what I miss? <laughs> uh, he's like, I got a Connor P. Can you watch this for me? Uh, oh, he must be okay, a fan so, of the show. Okay, so when that when that hits the island, Stanley ends up in the ocean. Yes. And Mason saves it. Yes, which triggers the Titanic music, as we previously mentioned. Yes. <laughs> and he said something about how did you make it past puberty? Yeah, that he couldn't climb up onto the rocks. <laughs> How did you make it past puberty? That was good. Yes, there was a lot of good insults hurled at. There was at and, him, and again, from a woman's standpoint who doesn't like action films, it was that kind of stuff that made it totally enjoyable for mm. me. Their their repertoire together, not repertoire, uh, repartee. Yes, their their working together is good. They yes. play off each other on very screen well. chemistry. On screen yes. chemistry, like because he's the chemistry expert. Right? He is. So, um, but yeah, it it didn't go in; it just impacted on the surface. There's so many Star Wars parallels here. 
Like, literally, a fighter shoots, and they go, oh, it's okay, nothing was hit, nobody died in the explosion. It didn't go in, it just impacted on the surface. That's the third time I've said it. I should punch it in now. <laughs> Negative. Negative. It didn't go in. Just impacted on the surface. Uh, so, yeah, Titanic music as Sean Connery swims to Nick Cage. And then, um, yeah, then he, we're pretty much at the end. I really love how Cage covers for him one more time and says Mason's dead. Yeah. He died. His body was vaporized. Can the body really be vaporized? Well, you did launch a thermite (laughs) charge at the island, so yeah, it probably could be. Yeah. Um, And the look on Goodspeed's face when they're like, is he... Is he really dead? Like, is he really vaporized? Is he? And he's just like, uh huh, yep, sure is, yep, uh huh. Yeah, they brush <laughs> like, over that real, too, real quickly. But the look on his face is like, he's like, you know, I'm lying, right? You know, you yeah. know that I'm lying, but I'm not going to say anything otherwise because, yeah. because let the guy it. go, right? Yeah. We we saved you, so just let him go. We did yeah. the thing. Well, the way they, no, he's dead. The way they kind of sold, I I assume that he like, it's like, did was he really? He's like really, he was vaporized. Like I feel like I I thought I assumed he just knew. He's like, no, he got away, didn't he? But we're not going to bother going after him because he he right. he, he busted he's his just ass. Saved the day. Yeah, yes, so definitely. Uh, but I was waiting for like kind of like Sean Carter to come back. It's like, oh, I forgot my gloves. You know. <laughs> 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 you know? <laughs> like, can we talk about how he, like, he teleported across the way there, and he's like on that like? <laughs> yes, he does. As yes. Cage is reading the note, he fucking teleports. <laughs> I've still got these powers left from Highlander. <laughs> Strangely, it couldn't teleport me out of prison. It's like Nightcrawler. I can only teleport where I can see. And they kept me locked in a very low prison. And I can't see Maui. Forget Maui. Yeah, I do like... That was really good. The ending where he gives him the location of the microfilm. Mm. Who picks Kansas over Maui? Well, I guess he. that's, that's where I saw Led Zeppelin in Kansas. Okay, so the thing is... So now he gets he gets the location. Yeah. And him pisses and his, off a priest. Him and his girl go and get the microfilm. But what exactly can he do with it? Like, just they, have knowledge. They held uh, Mason for so long without a trial mm. because he wouldn't turn it over. So he just has to pretend for the rest of his life that he doesn't have it. Like, does he think he's going to make money off of this? Again, another reason to have a sequel. Like, yeah. what happens to the microfilm? Yeah, does he make money off it? Like, does is this is this like a money grab for him? Who knows? My, yeah. my, my know, theory the, was he's the same character he's is in National Treasure. Whoa! You're blowing my fucking mind. Which is really like a, a Disney version of Indiana Jones. Which his father was Sean Connery. Ta-da! Look at this. We do this all the time. Full circle. Yeah. Damn, that's good. That's a good theory, yeah, right? Even the even the way he like delivered, it's like, hey, you want to see who really killed Kennedy or whatever? And like, I, I, I can see him. He's like, he's like, he's national treasure. After this, he's going and, after the uh, declaration. And because of the connection to Indiana Jones, that national treasure is naturally. Um, that means that the next national treasure is going to have to be about aliens, which they brought up. That so maybe mic, one of the microfilms in there is Area, Area Fifty One yeah. information. I mean, Indy did go after aliens in Crystal Skull, which we don't talk about. Yeah. But and and maybe now now National Treasure Man is going to 
go after aliens. Ooh, see, connections. That's his name, National Treasure. National Treasureman. My favorite of the men. And uh, that's the uh, that priest was really pissed. They really couldn't have found a way to not vandalize a church out in the middle of nowhere. Like, well, one, he's probably not a priest. He was probably. Um, well, I don't know. Saint, it was a priest. St. Michael's Church. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah maybe. It was definitely I don't know. I was just like, that's pretty podunk out <laughs> I, there. Like, I, that perfect place to hide it. Right, exactly. But I was like, eh, he's just like your local town minister kind of mm. guy. He's not a priest. Where did they get the dog but, from, too? Like, <laughs> what the, from, um, if we go back a, a, a little while, um, it, uh, it's the same bulldog from The Longest Day. Oh. Oh my God! Imagine still alive. He's still after alive. thirty-four years. <laughs> it's a fifty-year-old bulldog. Um, I'm still here. He sounds like Sean Connery for some reason. <laughs> uh, give me my cigarettes. Uh, all right, I got a Connor P one more time. You guys want to keep keep talking? Sure. Do it. I'll be right back. Sure. Keep if, exchanging. If we notes. can, if we can divert from Sean Connery just a smidge. Of course. Have you watched um, Nick Cage in the series The History of Dirty Words? Oh yeah. It was. Doesn't he never? It was on like it was. It was on like Netflix during like right during COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the height of COVID. Yeah. If you watch, I was like he treated every word so funny like he was super like old school dramatic like i remember these kinds of shows from when i was a kid and it was on like pbs and that's kind of how he handled it he was sitting in the chair in front of the fireplace and talking about the word cunt and i was just like what it was just so funny he is and, great like, i could actually take him seriously and he was funny actually it was good I think a lot of people like roast him because of like you know this the whole thing of he takes every role he's offered he like tries like he wanted to be Superman at one point all that but like what he the work he does man is is insane and like he 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 should be commended like I, I know usually on this show at the end we always we rate the film and we rate Connery's performance but I think in this case I think we should rate Nick Cage's performance as well because this was definitely one of my f- favorite performances from him it was really good yeah are we at that point uh, although I was saying I was like, saying that we usually we rate the film and Connery but I think for t- today's episode we should also rate Nick Cage a little bit because man he was a, he was a lot of fun in this movie because at first I was kind of like I don't know I don't know how I feel about him he kind of annoys me sometimes but then I, I ended up he grew on me and he re- I really liked him. Yeah, honestly, I would give Cage a nine out of this. Uh, in the nine out of ten in this film, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. Yeah, yeah yep. me too. I, I I'll give a nine. All right. Well, like, I, to to have grown in character from the nerdy guy mm. to a badass who literally saves the West Coast. I still think he's a badass in that opening scene, though. When he's he is in the bomb, he's a he badass. Is, he's just not a combat ready badass, right? Yeah, like you know, they were busting him about, oh, you know, are you gonna be able to use that gun after three weeks in the academy? Like they were giving him shit for it. Yeah, you know, so yes, the nerdy guy who sits behind the desk, yes, he defuses bombs and whatnot, but he's not a combat person. And him trying to convince Mason that he was anti terrorist training in the field and. It, Mason instantly knew, no, you're not. That's not you. Because he just had that demeanor about him that says, 
I am not the warrior that you think that I am. Mm. And at the end, he is. He's the warrior that saves the friggin' West Coast. Yeah. So I like I liked the transition, but and then at the very very end, he's dressed like a tourist <laughs> in the plaid shirt and the weird little right. hat and the shorts, and off they drive in their little Volkswagen with to go be raising Arizona with with yes <laughs> with you know the the cans off the back of the card with their just married sign yeah. and the dog and so yeah he's you is know. that what is that the baby that they had no. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think and so. did they get married at that church because that would have made that's what i was wondering that would have made more like they robbed it very polite right they they got married in it and then they robbed it i uh, think father look over there i think that's what happened <laughs> just all right now sweetie break off the leg of that pew well, they didn't have to break the leg. It was hollowed. Yeah, but they, they still had to break it off because you see him carrying the leg. Oh, I thought he just, yeah, I thought he only got the canister. He's like holding a tube that he pulls the canister from. Mm. Uh, so let me just finish up the wiki summary here so we can just have everything covered. Uh, Darrow and Fry proceed with the plan to fire on San Francisco. Godspeed, Goodspeed seeks out the rocket while Mason deals with the remaining re- remaining Marines. As the jets approach, Goodspeed disables the rocket before killing Darrow and Fry. Though he signals that the threat is over, one jet drops a bomb. No hostages are injured, but the blast throws Goodspeed into the bay and Mason rescues him. Goodspeed reports a successful mission, but lies that Mason died during the blast. He admits to Mason that Womack tore up the pardon and offers him a way off the island where he can find cash in Goodspeed's hotel room. Grateful, Mason reveals the location of the microfilm as he and Goodspeed part ways. Sometime later, Goodspeed and his newlywed wife, Carla, hastily drive away from a church in Kansas after having retrieved the microfilm, which features evidence of JFK's real assassin. End credits. And that's, uh, that's the end of the movie. Okay, we did skip over one really good quote. What? <laughs> Do it up. When, uh, when it's just the two of them at the end, yeah. and Connery's running up the stairs, and he hands the gun over and he says uh goodspeed says i'll do my best and he oh, says yeah, losers best. always whine about their best winners go home and fuck the prom queen <laughs> yes. It's just like, yes absolutely yes. yes that might be the best line in the movie and i didn't write it down and then because... he goes carla was the prom queen yeah. he goes really really <laughs> yeah uh, i love that line with also the enthusiasm like really yeah Can i fuck up <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, that is definitely, no, no, that is definitely the best line in the movie. And I feel like I left it out of my notes and in this conversation, because I feel like that's the bit of the movie that everyone knows. Yeah. Like probably, I feel like culturally that line has come out of the movie. But now I just want to make it part of like my everyday life and just be like, winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Losers (laughs) try their best. (laughs) Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. I'll punch it in here. You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. Really? Yeah. Yes. They drive off into the distance and and leave us hanging with, do you really want to know who shot JFK? John Mason. And off they go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would what be. What if it was him? What if it was him? Selfie. Totally about to shoot the president. 
Wow, imagine. Yeah, Look out, was, JFK. That <laughs> snap. That was the, that. What? When did JFK get assassinated? November sixty-three. November sixty-three. Was it November third? It was sixty-three. Was. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 and is that that's year, when he escaped? The year he escaped. That's when he escaped. Uh, it was hmm. uh, November twenty-second, hmm, Mr. Bond. November twenty-second. Okay. Mr. Mm. Mr. Bond. So so he escaped Alcatraz and then went and killed JFK? That's what I'm saying. Maybe. Or maybe he hears of the assassination of JFK and he breaks out to try to figure it out. And that's what that's Bond's maybe. mission. And it was Orc Goldfinger that did But wait it. a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. That wouldn't, that doesn't line up either. That doesn't line up either. If they threw him in jail in 62, how the fuck would he have microfilm evidence of JFK's assassination? What is Uh. happening here? What is happening here? Come on, Michael. All right, so it doesn't work. What is going on? It doesn't work. How did that, how did that, did somebody else? We were oh so close. Uh, Did, did he, okay. Unless, okay. Unless. He was in Alcatraz in 62, escaped in 63. Then for the three years between 63 to 66, which would be the 66 to 96 would be the 30 years. Maybe for those three years, he attempted to have a normal life with uh, Jade's mother and, you know, went to Zeppelin concerts and do the things normal people do. But that wouldn't have happened. Um, and in that time, maybe he was thinking the Yardbirds. Mm. Anyway. Um, so the timelines don't match up. No. But, However, but maybe, does, does it take away from the story? No. But I'm also trying to think, maybe in the three years that he was but between Alcatraz, escaping from Alcatraz and being thrown back in prison. Maybe that was when he was sent on the mission to retrieve the microfilm. Because they know if this guy can escape Alcatraz, he can probably get in and get out of places to get this microfilm. Right. And and because he's just a secret agent that we already had in Alcatraz and he escaped, it's no big deal for us to, quote-unquote, trigger suicide him once he has this information. Right. He's, he is, he's our suicide squad, you know? He go in, do the dirty job, and then we can just disavow him when we're done and that's what they did except he kept the microfilm hidden wow so that it must have been between 63 and 66 because of the jfk assassination so it must have been in a couple years when he was free so that kind of lines up it's the zeppelin thing throws a whole kink into it yeah anyway well didn't they say that he had been in jail three times and escaped twice? I think so. But but he'd only escaped Alcatraz once. Right. Yeah. Right. He was in other prisons. Shawshank was the other one. Yes. I heard. Yeah. He tunneled out of there. Changed his name from Andy Dufresne to... Uh, time-wise, timeline-wise, that could line up. Make him really old, though. Anyway, uh, so I think we've come to the end of the movie. <laughs> have we come to the end of the movie? We have come to the end of the movie. Has we, everyone's notes been have. covered? 
They have. Uh, anything anybody else wants to add before we get into our final bits? I, I, I think that Hummel's mission of wanting to get restitution for the families of the people that died under him is honorable. Mm. This is how he went about it. Execution is no. Mm. Connor even says that. Like, why? What? Right. What a way to honor a couple hundred men by killing millions. Like, yeah. And he, and then at the end, he even says, "They called my bluff, and yeah. we lose." He was bluffing the whole time. He was bluffing yeah. the whole time. That's why he diverted the rocket away from the stadium because mm. he didn't really want to kill those people. He just wanted restitution for the families that deserved it. Mm. And yes, that's honorable, but absolutely mishandled the entire thing. Mm. So, again, from a woman's point of view, the the premise was for a good thing. Mm. It just went horribly wrong. Mm. And Sean Connery's still sexy. <laughs> Sean Connery is <laughs> gorgeous in this film. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, on that, let's get into our ratings. Yes. Here on Connery yeah. Curious, we do two ratings. We rate the film itself and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy we cover the podcast on, Sean Connery. Uh, so we have two ratings here. So I guess we'll start with uh, with Mom. And, and and this week we do have the cage rating. We'll, I think we can consider that. Well, yeah, yeah we hit him with a, I think we hit him with a nine already, but we can. Ever, did everyone give him a nine? Cage Gets yeah. a nine. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Okay, Cage gets a nine. All right, we got that out of the way. All right, so now, yep, as you said, we rate the film and we rate Sean. So, Mama Jules, you want to go first? Uh, so for the movie itself, yeah. for not <clears throat> being an action person, I give it a nine. I, like, I don't go based on the score, the musical scores and things like that. That's not my, that's not how I perceive things. But I think it's a good movie that, as a woman, it something so physical and scary and uh, death-filled, it kept my attention. And I don't know. I give it a nine. I think it was well done. I dig it. And what are you going to give Sean? Now, I'm, now things to consider with the Sean Connery rating is how enthused he is for the role, how much he's happy to be there and giving it his all, yes. and how much you're enjoying it. Honestly... And I don't mean this just because of what I've said about. I gave him a ten. He looks completely invested in that character. He he is absolutely John Mason trying to make a better life for himself, and but using his dirty tricks along the way to to get it done. I feel like he was absolutely invested in that character, and he's likable. Mm. The the pettiness of the criminal side of him, the gentle side as the father of the daughter that hates him. And looking out for uh, Stanley Goodspeed, who's about to be a father. He was smart. He remembered all these things from 30 years prior, 57 paces to the cistern and whatever. Like, he's just, he's a smart man. And I feel like he had a lot to offer. And I feel like he was, I do feel like he was thoroughly invested in that character, in Mm. that role. I dig it. I dig it. Just, Just my personal opinion. And one more rating I forgot that we should cover. Does the SH... He, yes, it absolutely. On a scale of one to ten? Oh, absolutely a ten. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, I should have looked it up. There was, when he was in the interrogation room with Stanley, he, there's one sentence that he says, and it's like just full of the. S's. The eshes. And I was, I was just like, that's it. That's the one right there. <laughs> <laughs> that one sentence. And I meant to go back to it, but, but I forgot. 
It's all good. I'll pull it out. I want a sweet, a shower, a shave, and the feel of a suit. So, yes, nine for the movie, ten for uh, Sean Connery, and a nine for Nick Cage. I dig it. I like the movie. I've seen it several times. I dig it. Mario, move to you, my friend. All right. So, yeah, I, I was thoroughly pleased with this film, for sure. Uh, this was great. Um, every Everybody that performed in this movie was great. I had no complaints about any of the cast. It was all good. Uh, I think I'm going to hit it with a, a solid nine for the film. What? For the film. Uh, so yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely would. That's something we asked too. Is if we would rewatch it? Absolutely. Uh, I think I'll get to the point where I've watched it as much as Mom here. Like I'm gonna probably watch it tomorrow again because I still have the rental. Uh, I had a lot of fun. So nine for the film. Uh, for the Sean, the Sean rating. Uh, S H absolutely. Probably same score, but probably yeah. probably a nine doesn't doesn't bury it too much in the H. But a, that's funny. I, I met you guys in the middle. I give it a nine point five for the SH. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so yeah, not nine for the SH. Uh, for for Sean himself, uh, phenomenal. I thought he was great. I uh, enjoyed his character uh, very much. The only uh, issue I had is um, it's not necessary. But I did. We talked about after credit scenes. I did kind of mm. want like a little payoff with the daughter. Where it's like maybe he like sends a note over with like yeah, some she money, gets a card. yeah, like yeah. just to it, w- like, it would have it would have been nice to see some closure on that. Yes, yeah, there was yeah no closure on that. So whether like, whether whether it's a next chapter for him and her or him just being like, hey, you've seen me, I'm moving on, but just know that I love you and I'm here for you, and I'm safe. maybe, <laughs> and I'm safe. Yeah, yeah. So like I wanted something, maybe like give her something to remember. I don't know buy or something like uh the hair from his haircut yeah there you go (laughs) it's gross and sweaty (laughs) smells like the prison i was in uh so for that uh very close to a 10 i'm gonna give him a nine a 9.5 i think 9.5 9.5 9.5 all righty are you gonna hold that against him that there's no end scene with closure i'm not gonna hold it against him i guess um, but I don't know. I, I, I'm very weary of giving solid tens all the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it, like, no complaints with him at all. But, you know, I just, 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 just a little more sto- backstory would be nice. A little more closure on that part. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to stick with the, the 9.5. I dig it. Even though she was not disappointed that when Stanley lied and said, well, he's working with the FBI now. She was like, cool. So she was good with it. She had, quote unquote, she had closure. closure yeah. So she was good with it. But I understand what yeah, you're Yeah, but I feel like he too. didn't have closure. I feel like. He didn't. So that's where it's like. I mean, he kind of has closure with like. Because he gets to see her. Maybe just get it by the fact that he got yeah. to see her. And he said that closure. was the, when, when he, when Cage asks him, how do you get through 30 years of prison? He's like, the hope that I'd see my daughter one day. It's not much of a hope, but it keeps you alive. Right. And I think he, he did. He saw her. Right. That was all he needed. He what he, he got what he needed. Yeah. So maybe it was and, and, and Yeah. And then he kind of got that fatherly um, thing out of out of Cage, too, where it's kind of like, you know, like, don't fuck up how I fucked up. You know, be there for your mm-hmm. kid and all that. So it's like, he's kind of like, I fucked up, but at least I can live through him and be like, hey, be there for your family, all that nonsense and all right. that. And so, I, so yeah, maybe there is closure there. So, 
Fuck it, I'm gonna give him a ten. Just give him a ten. Yeah, you're doing it. Yeah, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give him. We turned him. I'm gonna give him a ten. It was really good. I loved him in this, and you know, he's definitely James Bond in this movie. So I'll always get James Bond at ten. He he is he's Bond in this movie for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, it's an alternate timeline Bond where none nothing happened from Doctor No onward. Mm, I like that. If Bond if. It's the in the way that Flashpoint was if Superman was locked up in a vault for 30 years or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's this. Yeah, Bond was locked up in a vault for 30 years, and he went and saw Zeppelin once. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, now it's on to you, Dylan. Your, your ratings. All right, well, <clears throat> I'm going to give the film an 8. Okay. 8 out of 10. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a great action film, a great character film. Um, I think some of the action was just a little too much for me because mm. I'm finding that as we watch these films, the films with the big gunfights are really... Scattered. Yeah, and it, it's it's tiring. Yeah. They're tiring. When I watch a bunch of people that are nameless that I haven't established any time to care about, fight other people that I also haven't established any time to care about that are nameless. It's just hard to care. And then, you know, I had said in a previous episode that I, the loud noises, I'm starting to get old. Like, I don't want to hear explosions over and over. Yeah. Like, I have my surround sound for music, not explosions. But I know, obviously, you know, you want your surround sound to give you a good explosion sound, but I don't need 70 explosions in a row. Um, the gunfire is a, a little triggering yeah it, it's a lot it, it's especially in the shower area yeah the, yeah the, all that gunfire the, it's a lot reverberations yeah. yeah yeah so little things like that kept me from giving it a higher score um little touches of michael bay's that are starting to shine through but not entirely prevalent yet um but just for me personally yeah it was an eight i would totally revisit it i'll probably watch this again in a couple years if only for connery and cage Mm. um and actually you know what ed harris and david morse too i love david morse he needs to be in more morse (laughs) he needs to be in morse um (laughs) roger morse uh so yeah i'm gonna give it give it an eight i will i could rewatch this for sure, maybe I'd give it a couple of years for a redo, and uh, I could easily show it to somebody as a good action film. Uh, on my Sean rating, I'm just gonna join you guys in the sun there and give him a ten. Hell yeah! He owned it. He, he definitely owned. He that was character. great in this film. Yeah. He looked fantastic. He was funny. He was scary. He was petty. Petty, yeah. <laughs> he was heroic. Yeah. It was. Even as a bad guy, he was the good guy. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that thumbs up moment was everything for me. What about Mr. Henderson's head? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. (laughs) Yeah, you really get the best of Connery, I think. Uh, Everything that you like about Connery is in this film. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why he deserves the 10 for sure. Because you got the comedy, you got the action, you got the uh, emotion. It's all there. Uh, And the two two hairstyles as well really helps. (laughs) Having the long hair and the short hair. Have we had a Connery film, really, where he has more than one hairstyle? No. Well, yeah. uh, uh, he kind of has the uh, the Paul cut in You Only Live Twice. Yeah. And, and, well, sort of the Valiant, too. He had that big, fluffy Gene Simmons hair. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we all gave him a ten. Perfect. Our sh- our boy Sean gets a perfect, perfect ten out of ten. Thirty points for Connery Gore. And for film, you guys both gave it a nine, and I gave it an eight. Awesome. Hell yeah. So you know what that means, Dylan. Oh, I know what that means. Ooh, very special right. wheel spinner. You guys know every week here on Connery Curious, at the end of the show, we pull up the Wheel of Curiosities and we get to spin for what the next episode will be covering, which film we'll be watching next. And since we have Mom here, I think Mama I think Mama Jules should do the honors of spinning the wheel. I can do that. All righty, so... What you're going to do, here's, a, here's the mouse. You're just going to move up and click on Connery's face there, but not yet. Okay. Uh, we have to introduce it first because you're going to be spinning our Wheel of Curiosities. Okay, now you can. <laughs> and I just click on his face? Yep. Right there? Yep. Click. Ooh. <gasps> That is so cool. Rising Sun will be our next film. Okay. Rising Sun. Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. Let's go. Uh, 1993. Wow. So we. Year before, uh, right? Or a couple uh, years. years A couple years before. Which means we've. Yeah, we've gotten a good chunk of his films from the 90s now. So, Rising Sun, based on Michael Crichton's 92 novel of the same name. An American buddy cop crime thriller. Yes. Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes, Harvey Keitel, and Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. All righty. And uh, critical reception of 33%. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. The bestseller's passions were misplaced. Huh. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're already sounding not excited. Well, this happens every week. We always do a little just a preview of what it is exactly we're going to be watching. We don't watch the trailer, but we just kind of give ourselves a little softball. For example, um, uh, when uh, we watched Shalico, uh, the episode before that when we spun the wheel, we uh, were just reading about the film, and then we found out there was going to be a sexual assault of one of the characters that gets cut out when the film is shown on TV. And that really uh, set us up for the way we were going to be watching that film. Mm -hmm. Uh, We sat down and go, okay, well, this is going to happen, and it's going to be hard to enjoy this film now because we know that that's going to happen. And then there's times where we get turned off at, say, Sword of Valiant, and we think this is probably going to be terrible, and it ends up being our favorite film. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, got it. I'll I'll show you. I was describing sort of the Valiant to you earlier. I'll show you some clips from it. It's a blast. It's so fun. Uh, let's get it on Blu-ray. Yes. And watch it. Yeah, uh, we think we're thinking of doing a commentary track of that film. Hell yeah! Um, uh, but also for guys but, at home, uh, for Rising Sun, uh, if you guys want to watch along at home, is available on Hulu right now. If you guys have Hulu, you can also get it on the Roku channel, Amazon Prime Video, uh, YouTube, Google Play, Apple, uh, Vudu. Uh, you can all rent those for about three ninety nine a piece. Uh, but, uh, and as we said, definitely check your local library first. Always. 
I got my DVD copy of Rising Sun at a library book sale, and it's still sealed. Ooh. Funny, this this was, if you remember, Dylan, when we were first, like, coming up with concept art for the uh, podcast, we looked at this poster quite a bit. We're like, we should do, like, a, a play on this poster, because with the side of, like, of Connery's face and Snipe's face. Our own heads, yeah. Yeah, like, that was... Uh, we can still do it. Maybe, maybe, for, maybe for this episode, the, the, the Rising Sun episode, we can do that. We'll do that art for that Spe- yeah. special Connery And we'll do it is. the way... Like the video we did in college where you like come out from um, <laughs> behind the, the wall side. completely sideways. I remember that. Yeah. I do. So, uh, well, I'll... I remember that movie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, the, just the random chase scene of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was, no, there was no reason for that chase. Then, no, uh, and, but, and at the end, you and Matt Benoit chucked me into the trunk of my car. <laughs> we went to go see Hunger Games afterwards. <laughs> yep, yep. That that definitely oh, shows the times. times. That was when Hunger Games came out. Good it was times. in theaters still. Jesus. Yeah, we were, it's 2012. Yeah. Because we went and saw Avengers the same time. Yep, that's it. Yeah. And also, I had mentioned Shalico earlier. Despite the warning that we had gotten from the Wikipedia page on Shalico, we both enjoyed Shalico. Oh, yeah. Shalico was... It, t- it turned out to be a very good Shalico movie, despite cool. the previous mentioned assault. Uh, it turned out to be a very good movie. Uh, it's Connery in a Western. Anyway, like, what, 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 what could yeah, you... Con- Connery in a Western, it's his first one after You Only Live Twice. So in his mind, he's free from being James Bond. He hated being James Bond. He wasn't paid well for it, and he just didn't like it. Um, And uh, in You Only Live Twice, they shot in Japan, and the press was all over him to the point where there was he was taking a shit one time, and people were, like, putting their cameras underneath the stall door. And he's like, I'm pooping. Yeah. So he just wanted to be out of that role. Yeah. So Shalico is his first film after he is free from being Bond Mm -hmm. um, in 1968. And he's really good in it. He plays a cowboy. Um, And then he would go back to Bond one more time in 71 and then one final time in 83 and then one actual final time in 96 for The Rock. Hell yeah. So. <laughs> so, yeah, but I look forward to watching Rising Sun with he and Wesley Snipes. Same. So I think that's going to do it for us here, Connery Curious. I think that, yeah, I think it will. It's been a, a good Mother's Day episode. Yeah, thank you guys thank you. for spending time with us on Mother's Day. It's a really interesting yeah. Mother's Day. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me <laughs> so that I can have this podcast yeah, to really. have you on. Now go cook me dinner. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, truly, without you, this podcast would not exist. That's true. And without your uh, mother, give give thanks to your mother as well. Of course, and for her as well. Yes. Honestly, double, because she. I, I mentioned on the first episode, she got me into James Bond. Like she's yes. the one who showed me Goldfinger. I fell in love with that. Then I found out there was like about like a butt like like six more I could watch, and then there was like a hundred more I could watch. And I got oh, into if Bond. Only, if only. Yeah, right. Well, soon, one day. We'll, we'll, I think we'll be. And you think we'll be old enough to see hundred Bond films? No, never. never. I I think honestly, by the time you and I die, let's call it conservatively seventy five. So if we've got another forty five more years, I think we'll get. We'll get maybe fifteen more Bond films. Maybe mm, it's yeah tough. It's, nowadays, like three years in between, but what, more than that sometimes. Yeah. Well, but but and you also said how your mother 
uh, has a soft spot for first night. Yeah, like she, yeah, she, she which is our second film that we. Yeah, did. she loves that movie. Uh, so we should have had her on for that. Yeah, she, I, I don't know if she would like like doing a podcast, but maybe if we ever revisit it, I'll ask her next next yeah, no, Mother's I'll... Day. We'll do first night again. Okay, <laughs> or maybe we'll have her on just for like a mini episode. Yeah, we we started doing these mini episodes. Maybe we just have her on and share her history with Connery films. Yeah, there you go. She'll say she thinks he's sexy. Oh. And that's okay. <laughs> we think he's sexy too. I actually just, it was funny because uh, sidebar, uh, we went to dinner with Scott and Christine, good good friends, uh, and they came to the house afterwards and I went to the bathroom and I overheard them talking about, uh, we did the Bond Museum for my honeymoon and they were bringing mm-hmm. that up and Scott asked like, oh, who's your who's your favorite James Bond, Lucy? And she's like, oh, oh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery is the best. He's the only James Bond in my eyes. And so it's like, <laughs> yep. so she loves Sean Connery for sure. That's awesome. So hell yeah. So yeah, so. Yeah, let's have her on for a, at least a mini episode. Yeah, well. The... If she doesn't feel like she can talk for very long, we'll just have her on for like, 10 minutes oh yeah so absolutely but yeah so again happy mother's day to all the moms all the happy mother all the moms out there there. thanks for hanging out with us this week uh so yeah so uh sean connery will return in rising sun yeah connery curious will connery curious will return in rising sun mama jules thanks for joining us again thank you for having me of course this was fun mario yes i've been dylan titus and i've been mario lima and in the meantime, stay curious. Oh, you got to say it with the with the aces. Stay curious. Connery curious Bye, will return. Will return. Will return. Will return. Will return. <laughs> Remember the game. Remember the game. <laughs> Remember the game. <laughs> all right, folks. We love you all out there. Have a great night. Bye. been listening to Connery Curious, a Titus Compositions and Frigginers Media Podcast. Follow us on social media for updates, memes, and clips. Find us on Twitter at CuriousPod007 and on Instagram at Connery Curious. You can also visit Titus Compositions at Titus Compositions to hear other podcasts and original music, watch music videos, or even pick up a great vinyl record. For more discussion and content about your favorite films, comics, games, and a network for all things nerdy, visit Friggin' Nerds Media on Twitter, at Friggin' Nerds. You can rate, review, and share the podcast in-app, which helps us grow the show and reach the other curious conneries out there. Thanks for spending time with us, and have a great day, but also, remember, stay curious. <laughs>